You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers outlast Moorhead State in Simon Scott Assembly Hall, 69-68. to Indiana wins the race to 69, getting the one-point victory over Moorhead State. Never in doubt, right? Never in doubt. You know, a lot of teams, they use these non-conference cupcake games to win by 25-30 points, improve their metrics, improve their net ranking. Not your Indiana Hoosiers. We want these games to be entertaining, to be 40-minute games, to give the fans their money's worth when they go to the game. And so once again, Indiana lets a team that it should beat hang around, hang around, but then pulls it out in the end. And so Indiana moves to 8-3 and three overall. Uh, and, you know, really what this win did is just avoided complete disaster and really putting yourself behind the eight ball from an NCAA tournament perspective. Because right now, the best thing on Indiana's NCAA tournament resume is the lack of a really bad loss, which this would have been. So there was a lot of bad basketball to talk about, and we're going to talk about it. Obviously, we give credit to the guys for coming together and winning that game at the end, which is exactly what they needed to do. Uh, but oh boy, the Hoosiers avoid disaster in a game that they really needed. Uh, I'm your host, Jared Morris, here with Coach Brian Tonsoni, Ryan Phillips, Andy Bottoms, all of us here uh, for tonight's show. And let's start this show the way we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner moment. Um, and really, for me, two moments kind of tied for the Banner moment. It was 61-46. to 46, Everything looked lost. Indiana was not getting anything going offensively. And Trey Galloway did what a senior needs to do. He stepped up and provided a spark, making a three-pointer. Uh, that began Indiana's 17-0 run, which was punctuated several minutes later when it was 64-62 to by Trey hitting another three-pointer to put Indiana up 65-64. to uh, The Hoosiers were then, of course, outlast Moorhead State from there. And look, we're going to talk a lot about Anthony Walker tonight, as we should. He had 18 points and nine rebounds, several huge plays for Indiana in the first half and second half. But Trey Galloway, you know, he obviously wasn't as prolific as he was against Kansas, only 14 points, uh, you know, kind of struggled to, to get himself going throughout the night. But when Indiana needed production with their backs against the wall, Trey did what a senior guard has to do, which is just find a way to produce. And those two three-pointers that he hit obviously were huge. The first one to just rescue Indiana from the complete doldrums that they were in, and the second one to give them the lead that they would not give up to escape with this one-point victory. So hat tip to Trey uh, for coming through when his team really needed him. Okay, let's talk about our presenting sponsor. Our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, now in their seventh season sponsoring the Assembly Call, and their third as the presenting sponsor for the Back Home Network. As you know, Homefield has the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you will find anywhere, and since IU is their flagship school, you know that more high-quality gear with unique IU logos from the past is always right around the corner because they're always evolving and trying new stuff and adding new schools and adding uh, you know, new items that's there. And that's why you should follow them on Twitter, get the emails, get the app, however you want to stay connected to Homefield Apparel. Because what's great, not only do you get alerted when new stuff is coming, so you get a sneak preview on stuff that may be limited in quality so you can get your order out there, but they also do a lot of flash sales. So you can always use our promo code HOME23 and get 15% off your first order, but a lot of times they'll have 20% sales on there like they did for Black Friday and Cyber Monday. 
So you always want to keep your eye out, see what their latest messaging is. Uh, Andy tonight is modeling uh, from the Homefield Collection the Washington Huskies hoodie. Uh, as he prepares for the college football playoff, which is always nice. Uh, Coach, I think, is wearing a UCLA hoodie. Uh, so all very nice to see here from our friends at Home Field Apparel. So anyway, uh, <laughs> Ryan giving the thumbs down to that. Uh, but look, no matter what you buy. UCLA you know and Washington, guys, leave me alone. We're just, we're just welcoming our future Big Ten brethren. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Why are you not more welcoming? Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, support our friends at Homefield Apparel. They're awesome. Homefieldapparel.com. Promo code HOME23. We'll get you 15% off. Again, homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. All right, guys. Well, it is time to uh, uh, move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. We'll start with Coach, who had some nice choice words before we went live. So we'll see what the flavor is here for his uh, opening statement. A lot of bleeps. <laughs> Great win, fellas proud of you great win no seriously i expect more from the coaching staff than what we saw tonight i expect more from the men who wear indiana across their chest and wear candy stripes than i saw tonight i understand coach woodson played for indiana and i understand everyone loves him but this program needs to be better and it needs to be better in a hurry from top to bottom i'm done coach's rant i like Take it that to the school board okay all right. Uh, Andy, we'll go to you, your bottom's line on this difficult IU performance to process. I mean, about the only good thing that you can say outside of Anthony Walker is that, you know, this team avoided abject disaster by coming back late in the game. Um, but, you know, clearly a message was sent at halftime based on the way they came out in the beginning of the, the second half, although that they weren't really able to sustain that in large part, but I, I think, um, and we may get into the schedule conversation, you know, later, uh, after I jam a pen in my eye. Um, but you, you can probably excuse a little bit of the early game flatness, lackadaisical play, lack of focus, all those kinds of things. It just went on for far too long. And I think that's probably what coach is alluding to from a, a coaching yes. standpoint. Like, if you could light a fire in them at halftime, like that needed to happen pretty early. It was, it wasn't the, till the first media timeout. And I think multiple of us had texted in our, our group chain, like they look really flat again, maybe excusable for the beginning, but for a long stretch of play. And really the, the worst of it was the end of the first half when they just couldn't make anything really made no huge effort to, to uh, you know, get the ball inside, which is their bread and butter and scored on, you know, two of the last 12 possessions of the half against a team that was in massive foul trouble, really couldn't handle you off the dribble, just really let Moorhead State off the hook over and over and over again to a point where they dug themselves a hole that it seemed like they weren't going to get out of for a while. And, and you know, the typical guy gets super hot for the other team and can't miss anything because you let him get comfortable and all those things. So give him some credit for pulling this one out at the end. But um, for a team that has shown no matter the rest that they get and no matter the opponent, they are unable to bring a focused effort in games like what they had tonight. And that showed up yet again and shows ultimately a, a, a lack of maturity and, and leadership. You can say that that's from the bench. You can say that that's from the players, but like programs who get to where IU claims to want to be don't have repeated performances in these situations like this. They just don't might have 
few minute stretch here and there might even have a half here and there, but in almost every half of basketball that IU has played this year against what is deemed to be a far inferior team to them, they have played pretty much like they played in this game. And for as important as the big 10 season has become, it seems to me implausible for a team that struggles that much to get up for these games. They're going to have to get up for and win a vast majority of the big 10 games that are left. This is a chance for them to show that they can do that. And they simply didn't. Uh, and they did basically the bare minimum to get out and get the win. Yep. All right, Ryan, over to you. Yeah. Look, you're playing Moorhead state at home at assembly hall it shouldn't take a 20 to 4 run over the last nine minutes to win the game barely and you only want it because they didn't get the right shot at the end honestly i i thought thought the defense was good uh, and all that but they took a bad shot um they played right into exactly what you wanted uh can anybody on this roster who has played basketball their entire lives make a damn shot like seriously i i and again i don't blame just the players where is the shooting in this program they were three of 16 from three. And one of those was from Anthony Walker, where I think everybody in the arena screamed, please do not take that shot. The ultimate no, it. no, yes. We were down 50-39 when he made that. It was huge. And they were 16 of 28 from the free throw line. And these weren't like random players taking free throws. Malik Renew was 0 of 3. Gabe Cups, 1 of 3. Caleb Banks, 1 of 2. Anthony Walker, 3 of 5. Trey Galloway, 0 of 2. Like, these are guys who play for you, and they can't make free throws. Like 57% in a home game against a bad team is disgraceful if you're Indiana and to shoot 18.8% from the three point line. And I said it online or on Twitter. And it was just like Indiana's down 13 points with 10 minutes left in the second half. And nobody on the team can make a shot. This is why shooting in your program, not having shooting in your program is important. Now, look, they were able, be, thankfully, Moorhead State was in such foul trouble, they could attack them inside, get to the free throw line, all of those things, even though the free throw line didn't really help them. But still, they were able to attack inside and win that way, got one three-pointer from Trey Galloway late to, that was in a big moment, as Jared pointed out. But, you know, you can't make comebacks. Well, they got two in the game, but they had the one big one that gave them the lead. Now, you can't make comebacks without being able to shoot the damn ball. And for some reason... For the last regime and this one, shooting is not a priority. It has been, we, we beat this dead horse all the time. It's like, you need to be able to hit a jump shot in a key situation, and nobody can do it. There is nobody on that bench I look at and think, that guy, get him in, he can shoot a three. There's nobody. Nobody on the roster can do it right now. And if you're having struggles against Moorhead State because you go three of 16 for three, what's going to happen in the Big Ten? Like, this is concerning on so many levels to not be able to get up for this game at all, to play terrible in the first half, to get yourself so far behind the eight ball that you have to make a furious comeback just to win this one. What's going to happen in three weeks? Because is this team going to change dramatically in the next three weeks? I mean, we I see no evidence that this is going to get demonstrably better. And the fact that they cannot shoot is going to bury them when they play good teams. And I, I just, I don't see any move anywhere in the program to get better at this, whether it's running plays for a guy like Mbaco who has shown he can hit some threes. He was 0-5 tonight, but a couple of those were good shots. Yeah. Uh, or, or, you know, running, you know, working with Gabe Gubbs to improve it. He can't shoot threes right now. He's not even, he, he's so down on his three-point shot. He's not even looking to shoot most of the time. 
I, nothing with Galloway getting getting it demonstrably better over the as the season goes on. Like, what are we doing to improve that? And every time Mike Woodson is asked about it, he has the same answer. He's like, well, we shoot plenty of threes. We just don't make them. Well, why aren't you making them, Mike? Like, is it something you're not practicing? Is it something you're not doing? Or is it is it the players you are picking, maybe? is it What is it? Because if you can't shoot these days in basketball, you're going to lose. And, and, and that's what's going to happen to Indiana when they play better teams. They can't play like this ever. Yeah. I mean, look... It's a win, and Indiana did the absolute bare minimum. Um, but I just it doesn't it doesn't feel like a show where celebrating the victory really does a whole lot because this you know coach to the point that you made very succinctly, you know what I saw for the vast majority of the game was a team that just didn't really show a whole lot of pride with the jersey on and playing in that arena. Now you know once their backs were firmly against the wall, they came back and did what they needed to do. Um, you know, and I will mention here as we just look at, you know, numbers a, a, a little early, you know, because Ryan, you said the free throw line didn't help them. What's amazing is it did. It's the reason they won the game. Even shooting 57 percent, Indiana makes 16 free throws because the foul dis- disparity was 26 to 12 on your home court. And you still only win by one point. And that, you know, coach, I, th- the frustrating thing for me about this game was how predictable it was. I mean, you know, I texted you about it earlier in the day that I had a bad feeling about this game because this has not been a team that has, you know, there have been some examples of them doing okay after a big emotional game, but there have also been others where they really haven't. And just seeing the way that we've played against, you know, these types of teams earlier this season, and man, that is really concerning. You know, when you enter a game like this and you really just don't know where the leadership is going to come from, where the production is going to come from, and you're sitting there watching your team get punked at home, and it's disappointing. And it is a little bit surprising, but it's not a shock because we've seen these types of performances before. And, you know, a lot of what we do in the non-conference, especially in these games, is what is going to translate? What does this mean for future games? And as we've been saying, even as early as Florida Gulf Coast and Army and some of those bad performances, yes, we got the win. Yes, winning matters at the end of the day. But boy, doesn't suggest many good things for the future. And I don't think we really saw anything tonight outside of that desperate you know, surge to get the win at the end that you're looking at and saying, boy, that's going to translate against a halfway decent Big and Ten team. If, if the cl- crowd had, had been even an ounce flatter than it was during that run, they don't make it all the way back. That crowd lifted them late. I mean, it's, yeah. it's fair to say whoever, you know, I thought the crowd was garbage in the first half, but the team was garbage. So they deserved what they got from them. I thought the crowd really lifted them that last seven minutes, five to seven minutes or so. Yeah. Anyway, to you, you know, it, it, yeah, it's just, this is who this team is. I I think we have to admit that, um, we, you've had a good performance against Michigan for the most part, um, a good performance. Although the film, when I watched the Kansas game, there were a lot of bad decisions in that Kansas game. The ball just went in at key moments to keep us in the ball game in the first half, uh, and defense got some transition, but there were, I really felt worse after rewatching the game. Uh, against Kansas and and then Maryland we had 30 minutes and then fell flat for the last 12 minutes and kind of limped to that 11 or 12 point this is who this team is right now whether that's roster construction scheme how they practice or whatever until we see differently uh Thursday night's going to be a very close game uh we are that kind of team right now we're winning those games which is nice but how long does it take 
for a team to gel. Uh, it's almost to the point now where it's got to happen here real quick. You go on the road to Nebraska uh, in a couple weeks, which has won a couple games here, beat one at Kansas State and beat Michigan State. And then you come home to Ohio State, who'd beat you, just beat UCLA. So, you know, you got a couple Big Ten teams uh, right away that you've got to get ready for. And, and you know, Indiana played the way they they have been coached to play, which is a bunch of one-on-one isolation ball, and it did not work until the last 20 minutes. And and part of that was because of the foul trouble from someone else, and then all of a sudden the shots uh, went in. But this is how they play. Throw the ball in, take nine dribbles, and then shoot the basketball. Um, that's how we are designed to play. And we I, I've tried to figure out, i got to start evaluating on that scheme, not what I wish I would see. We are going to get a bunch of isolation basketball with this program. And on nights like Kansas where the ball's going in and you got a mismatch or here, it's going to look good. On other nights, it could look absolutely, uh, I think, uh, dog crap. And it was tonight. So, you know, I'm just disappointed overall. Uh, I don't know where to place the blame. Obviously, it goes to everyone uh, for tonight. But Penn State beat this team by 23. Purdue beat this team by 30. Alabama beat this team by 26 or 27. So uh, I know you can't do all the comparison and different times of the season and scheduling and legitimate issues, but, but uh, you know, I don't know what to tell you other than it's just not good right now. No, we avoided disaster, but it feels like disaster is still creeping right around the corner um, is the problem. You know, a- Andy, I think the big thing when you look at tonight, you know, if you enter this game and you say, okay, Malik and Khalil are going to have between them six field goals and make four three, four free throws, I'd be like, okay, we might be in some trouble. Um, because obviously then that means that you've either got to get points from your backcourt or from your bench, which hasn't been reliable. And again, fortunately, Anthony Walker, you know, stepped up big. And so actually, before we talk about the bigs, we can't get out of segment one without talking about Anthony Walker because he was huge. You know, in the first half, when Indiana fell down early, he came in with the bench, you know, scored, I think, eight points, you know, in one segment between TV timeouts, really lifted the team, you know, and then there toward the end, it was just, you know, he was the one guy the whole time that I thought was bringing energy and kind of making winning plays. You know, he was, you know, hustling. He was getting rebounds. You know, there was a play late where McKenzie and Baco, uh, you know, got it in the corner, drove. He missed the shot, and Anthony Walker was right there to get the rebound. He missed, but then he put it back after that. And, you know, seeing that kind of production off the bench, again, you know, from a senior who you need to step up in a moment like that, that is the big positive to come out of this game is, you know, from the very beginning of the season when he looked out of control and there were a couple games where it's just like, Anthony, stop dribbling, like stop doing he this. He still is. Well, he, he is. He still but... is out of control. That spin dribble is going to get eaten up okay. in the Big Ten. Against good he got bailed out tonight by fouls, and he takes a three that he really probably shouldn't, and he hits it. Now, he was fantastic. I don't want to take anything away from the young man, but our whole program is one-on-one, go over yes. three guys and flip it up. Um, I agree. And that's but he's how just we are doing, coached. Well, okay, but he's doing what the offense is giving him. And, and it went, went in, so he had 11. a good game. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, but look, 18 points, nine rebounds. That is something. I know, I know we're all disappointed. I know we're all frustrated. But he has been better, and he's been a more consistent contributor off the bench. So, anyway, Andy, let me just get that positive out there, and then we'll go back to <laughs> – this, this is not a show that has much of an appetite for positives. <laughs> Well, I think the the one thing that stands out from him, 
you know, Renew never really got into a rhythm with some of the foul trouble and the way they were double teaming him, but he is a guy who can put the ball on the floor a little bit and he was aggressive. I, I thought there were times that Ware was not aggressive at all, really allowed himself to be pushed out and disrupted by any level of physicality that they had. And, and I, you made a concerted effort to get him the ball at the beginning of the second half, but you know, I thought he really struggled with some of that. Just wasn't super aggressive, and a lot of guys weren't. I think that's what Walker stood out with, um, you know, was just in terms of aggressiveness. And, and I think he had made some strides defensively. He made a couple good, um, you know, got switched on to guys a couple times, Played is playing better in that regard. There was still at least one specific breakdown in communication, I can recall, where, where he ended up giving up an open three. But I, I think – you know, he's settling into the system a little bit, but if I, the biggest thing that he brought was energy to a team that was pretty lifeless, yeah. um, energy and aggressiveness and, and kind of that notion that I might think that I'm better than these guys, but I'm actually going to go show that I'm better than these guys. And I think a lot of the other IU players just decided, well, we'll just turn it on whenever we need to and go figure it out. And it becomes hard the longer it goes to be able to, to flip that switch, um, w- with them. And I think overall, I think you started, some of that in the front court, I, you know, I, I go back to what I said. I thought, I thought they were really able to bother where um, physically, which doesn't make a ton of sense, but I mean, there's a play he, he like falls away from the basket doing a scoop shot in the post. It's like you, you are four to five inches taller than anybody they have to guard you infinitely more talented, just very much like finesse around the basket from him instead of, and I know he had a couple, you know, loses the the one ball going up right by the basket, missed a dunk. Um some of those things, but I, I thought he really struggled and then and then Malik just couldn't keep himself on the court. Uh again, only took four shots. Thought the double team at times uh disrupted him where they really um, you know, I don't know if you guys heard Bruce Weber talk, you know, seventy eight times about them blitzing the uh, the post. I mean, he was like a wind up doll that just said the same things over and over and over again the whole game. But, um, but I do think Renew's getting a little predictable in terms of how where he's going with the ball out of the post. And so there was a, a you know, a, a, a pass, you know, skip pass to the corner that got picked off because I think at certain times, like he's getting used to dealing with the double teams. Now he's becoming predictable in how he's dealing with that. And, and Big Ten teams may not need to double team them in the way that Moorhead State did, but. I mean, Moorhead State basically had four or five guys in or around the lane at virtually all times, just daring IU to take shots and actually make them. And and a lot of times IU just continues to try to force the ball inside or dribble through all these people, as Coach said, in, in an effort to get the ball down there. And, and I think that kind of pack the lane type of stuff is absolutely what you'll see from Big Ten teams because you know, they, there's no reason at this point to really respect this team's outside shooting ability and what the, everything they want to do runs through the post. So you're just going to see teams do a similar thing that what Moorhead State did and packing it in with better athletes to do it. Yeah, I mean, look, without Anthony Walker, Indiana's not in that game. Like, I mean, I you, absolutely, you know, I, I, I agree. He's he's out of control at times and all that. But he came in when everything was slow and nobody was doing anything and everybody was flat footed and he attacked and he realized, hey, um, guys, that's Moorhead State. We're better than them. Like and and just went for it and started. Yeah, he was aggressive him. and confident on a team yeah. where there was none of that. Uh, Eight. And I will say, I mean, in twenty three, he at minutes, least drove. 
he at least drove against one he, defender. He went north south, right? And he did his spin. Yeah, he did his spin dribble against one defender. Unlike yeah. most other players, driving between three and getting the ball stolen behind the back for a layup at the end of the half. And we've like kicked the dang ball. Like we've talked about this with Indiana, they struggle to go north Shit. south. They don't go. Wow. Somebody said, Is, Ryan, you're going to lose your ranting title to coach. I'm like, I'm letting the man cook tonight. He's on fire. Just go. Um, no, I, but, you know, the, we've talked about this, Coach, that Indiana really struggles to go north-south. They go side-to-side, side-to-side, side-to-side. Nobody goes north-south and attacks. He came in and did that. And, right. um, you know, I and, I and honestly, you know, he didn't play a whole lot against Kansas. He had all his reserves of energy stored up, and he used them. And, I, and the fact that he only played 23 minutes is probably – you know, it's not enough when the other guys weren't playing well, he should have played more. And, um, uh, you know, I don't know. I it, it's just, that, that guy saved Indiana tonight. And then Trey Galloway so, so, plays late and, and that's it. That's all Indiana had to hang its hat on tonight. You're making a good point. Unlike in our text messages, uh, which we're going to talk about later in the game, but the good point right there was Walker hits a three and I agree. He was an energy guy. And I'm just fired up. I'm going to pick on everyone tonight because that's just the way it is. When you play this bad, the film room is going to be ugly. I don't care if you scored 18 points. I'm going to pick on you as a head coach. But you're right. They took him out. I couldn't believe Walker came out. And the reason is is because Renew and Walker just are interchangeable. And then somehow, thankfully, when Ware came out late, he left Walker in. But I was I was shocked. Walker hits that big three, and I think he got taken out because they wanted Renew back in the game. That automatic subbing thing drives me a little bit um, – a little bit nuts too. That's that's spot on. Okay, let's take a little breather here. Um, I do want to just let everybody know we got a new podcast coming on the Back Home Network. So if you've been around the IU message boards, you've probably seen IU in Philly. You've probably seen C Bob Moats. Well, you know Coach Bob Moats. He's been on this show several times. Giving those two guys a podcast. Uh, if you've read their messages, if you've had the pleasure of interacting with them on Discords. They, pro- they produce some of the most thoughtful commentary, not just about Indiana basketball, but about college basketball in general. What does it take to build successful rosters? Mike has like spreadsheets that go back decades, the chart, all of this stuff. And they're distilling all that information in their podcast. So it's called X's and Joe's. It's about decoding what wins in college basketball. Uh, if you go look for it right now, you'll find it. We've got a trailer up. The first episode is probably coming out tomorrow or maybe later this week. Um, but get in there. You can subscribe right now so that when that first episode comes out, it will hit your podcast feeds. Really excited about this podcast. I mean, these two guys, if you are a college basketball nerd, this is a podcast for you because it is in-depth uh, commentary on what it takes to build a winner um, based on empirical evidence, and they're just fun to listen to. So anyway, go. X's and Joe's uh, is the uh, is the is the name of the podcast, so search for that. You'll find it, and I'll throw a link up on Twitter as well. Okay, coming up as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's close shave tonight against Moorhead State, we'll point out tonight's meaningful moments you might have missed, and then we'll go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. You're listening to the Assembly Call. Stick with us. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. 
Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hey guys, it's Gene Steratore, CBS officiating analyst and retired Big Ten basketball official. You know I have never listened to the assembly call, and to be honest, I don't intend to. But if you listen... Make sure you ignore anything Ryan says about officiating. He's really good from the seat of his pants, but I wouldn't trust him on the court with a whistle around his neck. Time has proven him wrong on virtually everything. Take care. We'll talk soon. Thank you, Gene. Always appreciate it. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips, Andy Bottoms, and a fired up Coach Tonsoni, who just realized that not only was his own personal volume up, but his microphone volume was all the way up. So if he was maxing out your speakers there as you were listening, uh, we apologize for that. But we, I think we even, toned the microphone. Even I'm having a horrible night. <laughs> yeah. we, I got to get with it, too. We toned That's the microphone ridiculous. down. I don't know if we toned Coach down. We'll have to see. Uh, we'll have to see. But anyway, top of segment two, you know what that means. Meaningful moments that you might have Ah, yes. This segment brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Ticket Project, where they help individuals and families experience IU athletic events in person for the first time through the generosity of alumni and fans. To learn more about how you can donate money or extra tickets to help create meaningful moments for other IU fans, visit HoosierTicketProject.org. That's HoosierTicketProject.org. You know, Ryan, you texted early in the game, um, and this was one of the few text messages that you got right this evening, uh, which was... Oh, we're going to talk later, boys. It's going to be fun. <laughs> you guys stick around after the show for this one. It's Are you sure? Like, we're giving you time. It's a bad take. Don't you... Nope. You have time nope. to not I got say. it. Okay. All right. Um, anyway, but you said Mbako looks prime for a big night or something like that. Yeah. And I agree with you. You know, I think tonight, McKenzie Mbako, I mean, he had his struggles like everybody else. But I thought, you know, he really did some things that were good. And I thought it was more a game where he shot poorly instead of played poorly. You know, like he goes agree. 0 for 5 from 3. There were a lot of really good looks there. If he makes two or three of those, and he's the one guy on this team when he shoots it, you think it's going in. I mean, yeah. I still I think I think his shots are going in. You know, he hits a couple of those shots. He's at 19, 20 points and seven rebounds. And we're talking about, you know, how big of a game. Now, obviously, the shot has to actually go in. So, you know, ifs yes. and buts and all that stuff. But I continue to be encouraged by what we're seeing from him. This is the sixth straight game he's been in double figures. You know, and, and there was one play that really stood out. It's 53-42. to 42. Uh, Trey Galloway misses a three-pointer. Mbako goes and battles for a rebound, uh, you know, and he scores. It was a really big play. It cut it to nine. It was just great awareness and hustle because it was a really, you know, tough rebound from Mbako. Then he goes down on the other end, picks up two quick fouls, and on the next possession, bricks a three, and then just stands there instead of going for the rebound. And there was a fight for the rebound. All he had to do was take one step, but he, was, he wasn't pouting, but he bricked that shot really bad, and his feet were just like in cement for a couple seconds instead of responding. And that, to me, Coach, is just a freshman. Right. You're going to get some of those really good plays and then you're going to get some of those plays where mentally he just kind of loses it for a little bit. 
And look, you have a performance like this. You go down the list of who's to blame. Your freshmen are at the bottom of the list for who's to blame. You know, this is on coaches. It's on upperclassmen. You know, and so while McKenzie still has a lot of room to grow, I think what we've seen from him over the last few games is really encouraging. And I'll tell you another moment that stood out, Coach, and I don't know if you caught this or not. Um, it was 64-51. He took a, a three early in the shot clock, and you could tell the coaches got really mad. They must have, you know, wanted the ball to go inside. Coach Yah, you know, slams his hand down on the chair, you know, and they're frustrated about it, which I don't know. You're really good three-point shooter he takes a decent look maybe you know maybe just let that go a little bit but whatever who knows what was going on but what I really liked is there was a there was a dead ball down at the other end and you know coach Woodson called him over and Mbako sprinted to him you know we've seen some other times you know guys kind of lollygag over whatever he sprinted over to him got whatever coach Woodson wanted and then went on and made the play and it was a small thing but just seeing that you know, enthusiasm to be coached, which I don't think we saw as much from him early. I just think there's a lot of little things and big things from him that are trending in the right direction. And for a program that is having some ups and downs and some struggles, if you can just get him, you know, get the three-point shooting a little bit better, which I still think is coming, he's making the kind of progress he needs to make. I just think he needs some other guys around him, especially upperclassmen, uh, you know, or at least sophomores who've been around a little bit longer to be a little bit better. But those moments stood out to me. It was not a perfect performance from him, but I thought we continued to see the growth that we've been hoping for from McKenzie. No, I, I'm, I was pretty impressed with Mbako tonight. I know that's going to shock everyone with how I'm feeling. I, I think that rebound speaks volumes uh, to where Mbako is because he came from the top of the key and he didn't just run up someone's back. He, he, he ran around him and he fought for that. And I thought there were some other times. He got seven rebounds, one assist, no turnovers. And they're starting, they're running some double pins on the baseline. Uh, they ran some, a lot of chin action tonight. I don't know what they were trying to do with it. I'd have to go back and watch um, where, where they set a back screen for the opposite guard after a ball reversal. Uh, so there was, they're starting to going from not running anything from Mbako to running like 4% of what they need to run for Mbako. So that's an improvement that they're at least like running four times a game, trying to get him a shot. And and he missed, he missed both those shots when he came off the double pin, but he is playing a, a lot harder. He's in better stances and his pursuit of the rebound tells you if he's locked in or not, you know, he's, he's still, he's still, struggles defensively as you would expect freshmen but Mbako was not the one that I would be all over tonight uh Walker and Mbako I think uh were the two that really I thought came to play tonight yep yeah I think w with him I mean I was surprised when I would check the box score periodically or they would flash the shooting numbers up but you know I I didn't think he he took a couple bad shots it was one in the first half that he forced kind of from the post where think he was trying to draw a foul there was another he waited a little bit too long in the post and got blocked but it wasn't a bad shot and I think the three that you mentioned Jared was probably another force if you will but the other shots he took were good shots that you you think are going in he's rimmed out a bunch of them um you just feel like it's it's coming but I didn't think he let the fact that shots weren't going to the basket impact him he no. you know was was aggressive driving it was aggressive on rebounds ended up with three offensive rebounds and um might have got another one off of a a free throw miss, uh, I want to say, but um, so I think you're starting to see good signs from him. He's continuing to get a little bit better defensively uh, as you go. So I, I think those those small moments are are big things for him as he tries to, you know, to get there. And 
you know, I, I don't think if you give him five of the quality looks that he got from three point range tonight, I don't think there's too many games where he doesn't make a single one of them. Um, but he apparently is afflicted with whatever uh, the rest of the team is from a shooting perspective. So maybe, What's maybe in will. the water in the basketball facility. Seriously. I That's mean, maybe the... when a guy has a decent look, don't slam your hand on the chair. If he misses it, I don't know. Like, yeah. exactly. Again, look, again, I, I think maybe they wanted to run something specific and that's fair. fine. Like we don't know, but those kind of things, that's the kind of stuff that suggests to me we don't understand the value of shooting, and you know maybe the coaches are in the guys' heads because of stuff like I, that. I mean, well, and I, yeah, and the funny thing is, I, I tell you, there was the play that Cups got fouled on going to the basket. I was shocked that he didn't continue to one more pass that to Mbako, who was wide open for a three. I think Mbako was also moderately incredulous about the situation, but he ran and you know, you know, dapped up Cups Picked after he up, after yeah. he made that shot. But it was like, I mean giving up what feels like a high percentage shot to drive into the lane and flip the ball over your head. I mean, it was great that he got fouled. It was a good play that it goes in, but you don't win without man. That that's symptom. <laughs> that's symptomatic, but that's symptomatic of like this team's approach offensively. And I know that he kind of passed faked and thought he had the angle to drive and whatever else, but it's like, is that ball swinging around the horn? I'm looking at him standing there on the wing. Like this is a wide open shot. If this goes in, you know, what a, what a momentum swing for that. And like, didn't even, t- didn't even get the chance to take the shot. Um, but I think that's, I don't mean that as a knock on cups. I, I think it, at it's some point, thing. at some point it is a mentality of what is drilled into these guys and, and what they're, what they're doing and how they think they can, you know, when they get behind how they're, what their approach is to come back in games. And yeah, I, I, looking at Mbako's shooting stats, three or 14 and Oh five from three, you know, again, I don't think he took many bad shots. You know, I can, I can think of maybe three that I wish he had that he probably wishes he had back. But what else did you have going on? You know, it's not like where was yeah, dominating was the opportunity the post. cost on Mbaka's yeah. and, and you're like giving up a post look for where who was flat all game. And, and, you know, I don't blame him. He just played 37 minutes against a, one of the best post players in the country the other night. Like he, you know, a, a, given his lack of experience, maybe it, it's, it's a bit of a letdown game for him. I mean, I don't think that's, you know, while he had a good stretch at the beginning of the second half, I, I I'm just we saying man, load management. True. No, I'm just saying it's true though. Okay, Jared, we're going to say, I'm going to say one thing. When was the last time Indiana came out and played well after a big assembly hall game? When was the name the last time? No, that no, happened? no. There's no debate about this. I agree. The program doesn't handle that well. That doesn't mean that the schedule is the problem. It's the maturity of the program. We'll talk the about problem. the schedule part later, but I'm saying that coming off of that game where had yes, a bit of a letdown. It was tonight. entirely I'm predictable like, that that would happen, but it shouldn't be. That's of problem. course it shouldn't. Okay. IU also shouldn't be scraping by to get in the tournament every year. Like hey, IU, fair. IU should be competing for Big Ten championships. IU should be getting the Sweet Sixteen every other year. Call me when that's the case, and and we can talk about what the program should be. When we stop it's making excuses there. for a guy being tired, oh, we played too many minutes three days ago, so we can't expect anything. <laughs> this from is him the tonight. this is the equivalent of the dress for the job you want, not the job you have. Schedule no, for I'm the program that you want, not the I'm program just being you a realist. have. Like it's not shocking that Ware didn't have a great game tonight after guarding Hunter Dickinson for thirty-seven minutes the other night, but and. It should be game. is my problem. He should be held to a little higher standard than this. He You're right. It should be, tonight. but he's essentially a freshman and a half. Like I don't expect him to have the maturity to come out and be like, I've got to lock in and do that. Like, it's just not realistic. Like you can, you can, I, I agree. NBA scouts are going to look at that and be like, he should have dominated this team completely agree. But I also live in reality where he's 20 years old and it's probably not going to happen. He's not trace Jackson Davis in his senior year. Like it's just that's not the case. I, so, I don't. 
I don't know why you guys are all upset. It was, you know, <laughs> we won the game tonight. Why? I, I, I just don't get, I don't get why you guys are so upset. Anyway, anyway my point is, I thought Mbako, I thought Mbako stepped up and played well. Yeah. I, I did. Anyway, my point is Mbako. Yeah, but he did. And Andy, I want to go back to something Andy said because I think it's just spot on. The bad shots he took were driving and trying to do too much in the lane over two people or spinning and then getting double teamed and then the shot blocked. Our awareness of the one more passing or the kick out. I am really big on that. I probably should do a coach's corner. When we kick it out, we are more likely to hit a three and get that ball swinging, but those are once or twice a ball game. The bad shots in the lane, we've been bailed out by fouls. If I'm if they just would wall up and let us go crazy and take contested twos, it, it could get – well, it was a little ugly today. The ball didn't go in. Cups' his shot was not good. He gets an no. and one. Uh, you know, Walker's spin move twice got fouled. He was not going to make either one of those if they don't, don't foul, and that's a rebound going the other way. And Mbako did too, so it is symptomatic. You're not going to put that on the kids. The kids are being taught to be aggressive, to get to the rim. They're running stuff for the post at the rim. Then when they bring the post to the high post and back cut people, they want to get the guards at the rim. We have a team right now of players maybe that can only score at the rim. There, uh, you know, or a floater. There's not a real elbow pull-up game, and there is a step-in three, but we don't shoot them because I don't think we emphasize them or really work on them maybe in game speed actions or something. Um, but it's symptomatic. The bad shots we do take. Walker was great tonight. I thought Mbaka was pretty good tonight, but they're bad shots tonight. People are open. People are open on the threes, and we'll get more threes, and we'll make more threes if all we did is share the ball after drawing double teams in the post, or we draw two on drives and kick the ball out, Indiana would be much more efficient offensively. That's the frustration from my vantage point, is even with this scheme, there it can play better within the scheme that Coach Woodson's running, and we haven't seen it, and it's game 11. That's the frustration. Yeah, what a, one other quick thing on Ibaka. You you referenced those two fouls. Like he, he just, to me, in that moment, was overly aggressive, but overly aggressive in trying to find ways to get something yes. going for the team and i thought yes. he was trying too hard in a lot of cases but at least he was trying um and that's like a, it's kind of a terrible thing to say but i mean he really seemed to take it on himself to try to make shots and do things that would get the team a spark and he missed more of those shots than he made as he did those things but really thought he was doing things out of a somebody has to do something about what's happening here and and maybe overstepped a little bit and was way too aggressive on defense and and got those fouls, but it was not out of poor positioning or lack of effort or lack of attention. And some of the things that he was, you know, getting beat on earlier in the year where he's just, he's just like getting right up on somebody and, uh, and that. So anyway, all right, moving on. Do you you have any other moments, Andy, any other meaningful moments that jump out? I I mean, (laughs) I mean, Coach yeah, pre-show yeah. was a meaningful yeah. moment you definitely missed. Yeah, and unfortunately, I wasn't rolling with the recorder, so I was jumping up and down with joy after that buzzer went off. Yeah, so such a happy guy. No, it, look, you know the other moment that stood out, and you know Bruce Weber made mention of this when it was twenty-eight twenty-one, and you know Indiana had ran that really nice set and got where the alley oop, and he just missed it. You know, and it was like, and there was just nothing. Like there was no energy at all. Like even his jump looked flat. The finish looked flat. Everything about it, it was just so emblematic of the way they played that first half. You know, and again, 
we're not being unreasonable. Like I get when you have a big emotional game, it is human nature to not be at as quite a fever pitch the next game. And so you you allow for a little bit of flat play. But man, at some point you got to get out of that. And there's, you know, you've got to start playing with more energy and more fight and more toughness much sooner than just your backs against the wall with six, seven minutes to go, you know? And so that was the big problem. And there were, I mean, you could probably pick out a hundred plays from the first half and the middle part of the second half that showed that. So anyway, Andy, any other moments for you or you want to talk numbers? Let's talk numbers. Okay. Uh, brought to you by Jackson Hewitt Tax Services. If you live in Bloomington or the surrounding areas and you want your taxes done right, contact our friend and chat mob Hall of Famer Megan Mahaffey and her team in Bloomington, Bedford, and Martinsville by calling 812-339-3334 or by visiting jacksonhewitt.com. So the two big numbers for me, if you looked at Moorhead State coming into this game, okay, think about how bad Indiana is at using the three-point line, like our percentage is bad and our usage is bad. That's Moorhead State when it comes to turnovers. They commit a ton of them, like 23% coming into the game, and they don't force any of them. So they have one of the biggest turnover gaps in the nation, and it really felt like a game, hey, you come out, you play some tough defense, you harass these guys, you're going to get some turnovers, maybe get some easy buckets. That, to me, was the path to, okay, maybe we're not quite as sharp as we've been, but we'll get some easy buckets, and that'll get us going. Well, what ended up happening? Indiana didn't commit a lot of turnovers, only five, three from Trey, two from Malik That's shocking, by the way. That number is shocking. Yeah, but we only turned them over seven times. Seven times, which goes along with the other stat, three blocks, one steal. We've come on a lot of times, Andy, on this show and lauded the team for, wow, you know, eight blocks and nine steals. Like, there's so much energy. And you just didn't see that at all. And for for that to be what happened against this team, is unconscionable. I mean, that just shows how little effort and energy and attention to detail and all that stuff was because this should have been a game where you get a lot of blocks, a lot of steals, and they had basically none. And to me, that those stats tell the story of this game. You know, and Indiana was able to escape, but whew, did not play well in almost any facet. Uh, no. Uh, I, you know, I, I think that shows up in the other area that shows up is is offensive rebounding. They gave up seven in the first half, just two in the second half. And kind of a lot of the same things that we've seen so many times this year of guys just not really bothering to to put a body on somebody just going up and thinking athletically they're going to get the rebound. There were some long rebounds there, but you're not really making contact with anybody uh, to, to try to do that. And they're, they're a little bit lucky they didn't give up more second chance points than, than what they actually did. Um, but I thought the block and steal numbers, as you said, was pretty reflective of the overall defensive effort in the first half in particular. And IU came out uh, a bit in the second half of and and definitely was more intense on the defensive end uh but even then weren't overly disruptive in terms of what they did and i think what that allowed uh, you know the other thing that that led to and, and maybe this is probably a chicken and egg argument at some point you know we talk about this team needing to get out and transition and get some easy baskets you know not generating steals doesn't allow them to do that and iu ends the game with two fast break points I mean, this team is just not good enough offensively to be able to play in the half court. I mean, that, at tonight's perfect evidence of that, right? Hardly turned the ball over, and it was a slog offensively. Now, the second half, IU, I had them at 1.38 points per possession. So they they performed well there in, in half court offense. But this team has to find ways to get out and run a little bit in transition. And I thought Moorhead State, for the majority of the game, really controlled the tempo, didn't take quick shots, 
Uh, and when they did more often than not, that was, you know, gave IU a chance to at least kind of, at least attempt to push the ball up the floor. But yeah, I think all that stuff kind of works in concert with one another to, to really, you know, slow the game down in a way that allowed I that didn't allow IU to get anything easy in transition or get the crowd going or any of those kinds of things. And, um, you know, good game plan on their part, but uh, it also speaks to, you know, I use you know, inability to, you know, to, to be focused defensively in a way that allowed them to, to take advantage of one of the weaknesses of the other team. Coach, you know, a couple of the numbers that stand out to me, you know, when it comes to rebounds, I thought Gabe cups had a several really tough defensive rebounds where he just went and attacked the ball. Um, and contrast that with Trey Galloway who had no rebounds. And like I mentioned Trey Galloway in the banner moment, because, you know, at the end of the day, hitting two big shots like that matters. And it's, you know, without those two shots, Indiana doesn't win the game. And I think that is a sign of growth for Trey in terms of the offensive production that he has to provide in terms of scoring. But outside of the 14 points that he gave Indiana, he had no rebounds, one assist, three turnovers, no blocks and no steals. And, you know, it, it seemed like the, he was in a tough matchup defensively. But it also just didn't seem like he was quite as locked in as you often see him, you know, and, and Trey has been a guy who's been really up and down throughout his career. And so, again, I give him credit for scoring points at the end when Indiana absolutely had to have it. But as a senior, you know, you're the one who's in a lot of ways responsible for the way that your team plays. And I didn't think he set the right tone you know, in the first half. I thought he did in the second half. I thought he came out and played really hard defensively early when Indiana kind of got going, um, you know, but this is one where Indiana needed a little bit more um, from him overall, you know, outside of just the scoring to maybe make it not such a close game down the stretch. And that difference just between those two guys and rebounding, I think was indicative of that. Yeah. And, and I'll still rest with, I, I think he's trying to do several people's jobs and trying to win, you know, have eight point possessions at one time. And that's what happened there at the end with the behind the back. But he, he did the same thing uh, late in the game uh, at Kansas and missed a wide open Mbako uh, for a three. I think it was 69, 66. And then he went off a middle ball screen and we ended up not scoring on that in late in the Kansas game. Uh, but I, I think Trey, being a coach's kid and being from Indiana, he really wants to make this work. But I think he's just doing too much. At Kansas, it worked, and he was scoring, and things were really going well. But he had five turnovers there. So there were pieces of that game where he was even trying uh, too hard, not not making an excuse at all. Um, and then tonight, he just, he just wasn't getting it going uh, for a while. And um, that's why those numbers are, are such. But he, he needs to do what he can do, which is he needs – guard rebounding is a real issue with this team, especially when you're going to hunt block shots. Uh, Galen was talking about – I watched the first half of Galen's live show. That that was great. If, any, if he does that again, I suggest people uh, tune in. Uh, he, he had some really good comments. And there was talk about why is rebounding such a struggle. Well, Indiana in the last three years has hunted block shots, which is an appropriate way to play defense when you have a shot blocker. But you need your guards to come down and crack down and block out and then go get the ball. And for some reason, this group doesn't. You mentioned Cups getting two. He did that at key moments. Cups seems to do that a little bit from his point guard spot. Uh, but when five. X was in, five and, yeah, he had a couple of so, huge rebounds too. Yeah, yeah, that that's that's really a good thing to to for us to do because we still want Ware to be that rim protector. On, on the other hand, rebounding, I will add to that, Jared. The numbers that again a positive here would be uh, offensive rebound and second chance points for Indiana. That's been something that's been con uh, a concern too. We talked about Mbako's great effort offensive rebound. I thought 
Uh, Renew had a tough game today. He wasn't very good, but he had a couple key rebounds. One that last three uh, where he, he got fouled, and I thought Indiana had more of an effort going to the offensive rebounds, which they're going to need going forward. So, again, there are pieces of tonight that you can say, okay, Indiana played better, or those things are going to help Indiana perform well down the stretch. Uh, but they were just too, not not enough tonight. But I thought offensive rebounding uh, and then Gabe Cup's rebounding uh, were some numbers that were very, very important. Yeah, and Ryan, the rebounding got better as the game went on. I think Moorhead State had six or seven of those offensive rebounds in the first right. like, five or six minutes of the game. I mean, they were just getting all and of they them. Only had and so nine, Indiana did shoot that had... up, which was a huge part of the reason why they won. Yeah, they only yeah. had two in the second half. Um, yep. and... and by the way, I will say on Trey, he did spend a lot of time chasing his man too, and sometimes yeah. that leaves you a little bit out of position for rebounding. So I don't want to totally – you know, well, especially in the first half, he just, look, everybody came out slow and yep. he was getting beat off the dribble early too. And when you're chasing like that, it's hard to recover than block out. It really, cause you already stepped behind your guy. Then you got to not only catch up to him, but then turn and locate the rebound. And so when you're a step slow, it plays out everywhere. Um, but you know, the Moorhead state only had two second chance points in the second half. I mean, it was, it, you know, in the first half they had six, I think it was, but they also extended you know, all those offensive rebounds extend plays and tire you out because you're continuing to have to play defense for longer stretches. And Bruce Weber pointed that out. And it was one of the few uh, astute things I heard him say, but it was, you know, it's also demoralizing, you know, when you, when you do get a stop and then you lose the rebound, got to go and maybe force them into a bad shot. Don't get it and have to do that. So uh, I thought that the rebounding did clamp down in the second half a lot better. Uh, I'm just going to reiterate my numbers, uh, just the shooting again. 18.8% from three, 57.1% from the free throw line. If you're and, average at those two things, you see, win this I, game pretty easily. And I thought you were going to go here from the three-point line. You know, Moorhead State didn't shoot a great, 29.4%, but they did hit 10 of them. You know, yep. so that's, and that was clearly their strategy, and that's what they've done all season long. They're a yes. high-volume three-point shooting team. So they Not got 30 points point from the three-point line, and, you know, Indiana only got nine. Now we, you know, took half the amount of shots. But even just in there, they still, you know, had the advantage, you know, from an efficiency perspective and from a quantity perspective. And yeah. that's just, look, this program, we are now two and a half years in. Valuing the three-point line is not a fundamental core tenet of this program. It is a, oh, that's nice. If you get it, that's nice. It's a nice bonus. But it's not a fundamental tenet. And that flies in the face of what we have learned about basketball the last 10 years. And so we just enter every game. Behind, you know, knowing that we're going to lose the three-point line from anywhere between 9 to 15 points. And you got to make that up somewhere. You can make it up on free throws, on fast break points. And it's always a high-wire act. And we've continued to do it against these teams ranked in the 150s to the 200s. But then when you can play teams that can do more than just jack up threes and get hot, you get blasted. That's why we've been talking about this so much. And that's why it's so frustrating because it's just very predictable. You know, and you really run it Jared, for a game or two here or there, yes. but it's you can not dodge a sustainable can, long-term strategy. On the you bright can side, dodge it. Yeah. On the bright side, Paul Biancardi's ESPN article this week, his senior high school basketball player superlatives. You know who he named as the best shooter? Liam, Liam McNeely. McNeely. So we'll get Liam McNeely in. He can take his two or three threes a game and then just dribble into <laughs> the lane into traffic. <laughs> if hey. Liam McNeely isn't taking six threes a game. This program is broken, but no. And, and to, to, to reiterate, Jared, you said, you know, it's two and a half years in it's actually six and a half years in of not valuing the three because the previous regime didn't do True. it either. And, and so it's become a program fixture to not value three point shooting. 
And really that's why has. Gabe Cups passes up McKenzie and Baco wide open in the corner. The things are related. They're yeah, related. Absolutely. 100%. So. And it's and it's it's what you preach. It's philosophy and a wide open 3 is better than a contested 2. It is. And that is not the way our team plays. That's not the way we really, plays. I really hate to do this, but uh, Coach Calipari was quoted this week as saying, the game is going to this. You better have a bunch of shooters. After the Kentucky people were all over their head coach, <laughs> who's won national championships and gotten the Final Fours for playing two bigs and running a high-low offense. Uh, he did do the dribble drive for a while. Um, but the amount Calipari of said that, in the replies on that quote on Twitter were so funny. Yeah, the Kentucky fans. right? Um, I, but I saw I saw something. There, there was a really good article about how Marquette plays too, um, yep. and, play and, and the way they play beautiful basketball. Um, which you, you know, as you watch a lot of different off where we're coming from is Woodson's not going anywhere, and we're not asking for Woodson to go anywhere. We're asking for Woodson to be better. We're asking for the players to be better because this is just frustrating to watch. And part of that is a lot of us watch a lot of basketball, and we see different styles that are working. Um, and that's where we're, that's where we're coming from tonight was a tough watch uh, in every stat category. And I think the, the thing about hitting threes is you can make up for a lot of deficiencies on your roster. If you can make three pointers, whereas if you, and you can make up a lot of points quickly, if you're behind, if you run everything through the post, you are, as Jared said, running a high wire act to win games. Because if you face somebody who can shoot, you're trading two for three a lot. And that math does not work out to win games a lot. And so, but I do think that, you know, if you're, if you struggle on defense a little bit, you know, or you have a game where you're not playing well defensively, you can cover for that by hitting shots. And maybe your defense starts to improve as the game goes along. If you're playing terrible defense and you're scoring in, and, and you're not super efficient from two, so you're just not playing well on either end, really you're going to get buried before you can come back before you can establish yourself. Then once you establish yourself, you're already down double digits and you can't shoot on top of that to shoot your way back into the game. So I think that it's just shooting covers for a lot of deficiencies. And if you're a good team already and you don't have a ton of deficiencies, shooting makes you even better. And so it's, it's, there's no downside to it, which is why if you invest in it heavily, you're never going to be disappointed. I love how it was necessary for us to just spend three minutes discussing the value of shooting. Why (laughs) shooting is important? Yeah, I know. Well, I have so many people that say to me, like, what do you guys even mean by modern basketball? I mean, taking advantage of the analytical side of things, which says three is more than two. And I love that that is like a controversial thing that if you can hit threes, it improves everything. Forget and then just the just the 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 tactical aspect, it spreads the floor and opens up that that post stuff inside because they can't pack as Moorhead State did for part of the first half. Put four guys in the painted area while you're trying to get where going because they know nobody from Indiana is going to shoot a three successfully. And and it just if you can shoot, it opens that up. Where's working one on one? They can't double him if if guys can shoot and. So that that's why we harp on shooting so much. It changes the game when you can actually do it. And the last thing I'll note on this, because there are going to be some people say, well, we won by one and Moorhead State took 34 threes and only made 10 of them. So how'd that math work out for you tonight, boys? Look, we are not worried about what do we need to do to beat Moorhead State? What do we need to do to beat Florida Gulf Coast? Agreed. We want to beat Auburn. We want to beat UConn. We want to beat Kansas. Kansas. And this is the missing element in doing that. That's why. 
That's why. Okay. Anyway, let's break. What y'all are say? y'all are on edge tonight. I, I don't get <laughs> yeah. it. Coach yeah, is Coach is the now. calm one. Yeah. He's the calm one. All right, coming up I, on Assembly Call, let's hand out our Game Balls and Who's Your Hustle Award, discuss a lingering question or two, and look ahead to what's next. Quick turnaround coming up Thursday. Uh, stick with us here on the Assembly Call. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. Now, there's someone who understands the value of shooting. You're listening to the... That's the weird thing, too. Our coaching staff includes Mike Woodson, Calvert Chaney, Jordan Halls, Brian Walsh, all guys who were good three-point shooters. Those who <laughs> do can't teach? I don't know. Like. I don't know. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Coach Brian Tonsoni, Andy Bottoms, and Ryan Phillips. It is time now for our Game Balls, presented by our friends Allie and James at Bloom Environmental. You know, as we enter the colder months and begin to stay indoors a bit more, they want to make sure everyone knows about radon, a colorless, odorless, radioactive gas that is the leading cause of lung cancer in non-smokers. It enters buildings through cracks and gaps in the foundation and through service pipes of homes. Contact Bloom Environmental today. Mention Assembly Call for a free radon test kit and mitigation estimate. You can learn more at bloomenviro.com. That's bloomenviro.com. Coach, were you trying to say something before I jumped into that ad read? Uh, yeah, I probably shouldn't. Well, now you have to. Are you sure? You're holding yeah. back now? Like, Are you going to save it for after the show? <laughs> no, it's, okay. it's time for game balls. All right, it we'll is. come back to you. Uh, yes, everyone's favorite segment after a, a questionable performance is game balls. Uh, but there were some worthy performances tonight to go to. Andy, who gets your game ball? Uh, Got to be Anthony Walker. Uh, really provided a spark off the bench. Led the team in scoring. Tied for the lead in rebounding. Uh, almost tied for the lead and assist with two, uh, which tells you a little bit about what was going on offensively, but just really thought he was um, was a great spark. Actually made both, you know, made two of two free throws down the stretch. Now, he did miss some in the first half, so he was not perfect in that stretch, but, but uh, at least down toward the end of the game was able to make a couple. And, uh, yeah, just thought he, he made a lot of great energy plays and was a difference in the game. Woodson called him the MVP after the game, so who am I to disagree, right? We, we never questioned Mike Woodson on the show. 
Well, never uh, once. Ex- What's taking that yeah. happened? I mean, except for the past 61 minutes. Otherwise, yeah. ever, please, fans, go back and try and find where that's ever <laughs> happened and point it out to us. Because I, I, you know. Uh, coach, who gets your game ball? Uh, Walker. No explanation yeah. needed. Yeah. I don't think we need Walk, yeah. it. Really Walker is evident. No, it, 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 just, it just by far. Uh, he was, you know – Every player makes bad decisions. I know I harped on him early. I, I was fired up. But the kid brought a lot of energy and hit some big shots and and really changed. Even in the first half when down 11, he made plays tonight. I, I You know, obviously, from my vantage point, I don't care if you win by 30. I'm going to find some things wrong. And tonight I was just – I'm really focusing on that because it needs to be fixed in a hurry. A lot of stuff needs to be fixed. more. But Anthony Walker was tremendous tremendous in his energy more than just the total of points uh that he got but it was game changing uh because without that we don't even we're not even in position to make that 20 to 4 run or whatever it was down the stretch so congratulations to that young man coach i agree with you on the energy that he brought and i think that even more specific point there is he brought energy when nobody else was bringing energy you know it wasn't like he came into a situation just added to it he's jump-started the engine essentially and even when nobody else continued to give energy he continued to push forward and so I think that he was vitally important especially in that first half where things were not going well he was the only thing successful that Indiana was doing so resounding game ball for him I don't think it's even close I agree he gets my game ball I mean in everything that you just talked about from the energy perspective that would set him up for a Hoosier Hustle Award right because you bring energy on a night when no one else is bringing it and what separated it was he produced you know, he was out there. I mean, on a night when Malik and Khalil get four and eight shots between them, Anthony Walker gets 11. That is not, you know, the kind of ratio that we want most nights. But it worked tonight because he was there and he was tough and he got rebounds and he scored through contact, made shots. You know, this was this was a big night for him. And so even if the, even if the three that he took at 50 to 39 wasn't a great shot, he's a senior and he stepped up and made it. And at some yeah. point, you got to get credit for the makes or misses. You know, well, worth- so he stepped up and made it. And there, I give him a lot of credit for that. Worth noting, he did that all in 23 minutes, too. 18 points yes. in 23 minutes and, and yep. nine rebounds as well. So he really took advantage of his time on the floor. Yep. Okay. Hustle Award. The Hoosier Real Hustle Award. Hi, this is Anthony Leal, and it's time for the Hoosier Hustle Award. But first, I have some exciting news to share about our friends at Evansville Security Services. They've been acquired. They are now part of the team at Security Pro 24-7, which provides trusted and reliable security for your event or business from Bloomington, my hometown, to Evansville, where Coach Calvert Chaney grew up, and everything in between. Just like hustle can't be measured by stats, prevention can't be measured either, but it has a huge impact on your bottom line and peace of mind. So let the security pros at Security Pro 24-7 help you prevent a bad outcome today. Visit securitypro247.com to learn more. That's securitypro247.com. And tell them Anthony Leo sang you. Thank you, Anthony. Hustle Award. Uh, Coach, why don't you lead us off? Man, th- this, is, this is a tough one because there just was a lack of energy all, all the way around for most of the, most of the team. And, and so it's hard to pinpoint this one. I think it's going to come down to two uh, players. You can go cups for his rebound and key key rebounds there, and I think Mbako uh, might not have shot perfectly uh, tonight. Uh, you said it really. Sometimes when you don't have stats or numbers, doesn't mean that you you played bad. It just means that you shot poorly. Uh, I thought he took a couple bad shots, but I thought 
that rebound means a lot in evaluating Mbako because that wasn't happening at all earlier in the year. And seven rebounds, I believe he had. Uh, I, I think that his effort, the only issue with him now is is decision-making and technique maybe on the defensive end. So it's between those two for me. I'm going to go with Mbako. Um, I'm a big Gabe Cups fan. I think he's solid. I know there's a lot of people, a good argument going on in the chat uh, about him. Be patient. Uh, those of you, I think he's going to be very, very special once he figures out uh, the, the college game. But um, I would be okay going either way. But I'm going to throw it to Mbako to start. Okay. Andy, who gets your hustle award? Yeah, those are the two that I was considering. I'm going to go with Mbako as well for a lot of the reasons we touched on. The thing with Cups, uh, he just seems like he's off balance and floating and drifting on every shot that he's taking. And some of the shots just feel like he's taking them because he feels like he's been in the game so long he has to shoot. I thought both the shots against Kansas were that way, just kind of fading toward the baseline, not totally in the flow of the offense, not a terrible shot, but not really open. Uh, I thought the three that he took in transition tonight was a good one where he's getting a kick out, but he's drifting so far toward the baseline when he shoots it, it almost looked like it had no chance to go in. And I think he kicked his legs out oddly on what he took in the second half. Just seems like he's kind of forcing that, but taking shots because he feels like he has to. Um which I guess you're playing that many minutes. Maybe you got to get a few shots up here and there, but, um, but I think he was steady for sure and would have been a, a worthy choice, but I'm going to go with Mbako. I, I thought he made a number of hustle plays on the, uh, on the boards. And um, yeah, as we talked about before, didn't feel like his mistakes were not ones of a lack of effort, um, but more of trying to do too much. Ryan. Yeah, it's Mbako for me. I think you could give it to Gabe Cups. Forget the rebounds. I thought his on-ball defense late during that stretch where they shut down Morehead State's offense was really good. I thought his switches were good. I thought he was closing out well. Um, so I really appreciated that. But but I think it's it's Mbako for everything he showed tonight. And and again, I don't mind the three for 14 because it's not like there were 11 other shots I would have rather had taken by somebody in that game. I, I mean, general, genuinely, that's the case. Yep. Yeah, Cups, a game-high plus 13 um, on the game. And, you know, I think his defense was a, a big part of that, his rebounding. And, Andy, you know, to your point, the shot doesn't look confident at all. And he's kind of doing that thing Miller Cop did his first year at Indiana where he's drifting when he shoots it. And Miller really got rid of that his last year at Indiana. But I am – I will, like, I'm somewhat encouraged that he was taking them at least, you know, because I think that's the next step for him. He's got to at least have the confidence to take them. Now he's got to start making them at some point, but if he's going to play 32 minutes, he's got to be able to get three, four, five shots up and at least be a little bit of a threat. And he's a guy who proved he can make him in high school. He's got a nice little mid range shot that it would be nice if he could start hitting with confidence. So, you know, I'm with you. I didn't feel like any of the shots were going in, but I'm encouraged. You know, he scored 11 points against Auburn or whatever it was. You know, he's starting to look for his offense a little bit more. And, you know, especially if, you know, X is going to be out for much longer. And I think right now the, the earliest is probably the, the game on the 29th that he might be back. Um, otherwise, you know, be until January. Um, but either way, Cups is going to continue to play big minutes for this team. And he's got to, at some point, be able to give you something offensively. So I was at least encouraged that he started taking the shots. It's not much, but it's something. But Mbako gets my hustle award for all the reasons that you guys have said and that I talked about earlier uh, during meaningful moments. Uh, quick pop quiz. Do you know who currently leads the team in hustle awards for the season? Two players are tied. Can you name them without looking at the run sheet? Cubs. Nope. I think Mbako and Walker. Mbako and Walker. Yep. 
I do not have the run Walker sheet up. Walker could have got swear. one tonight. Yeah, he could have. Walker could have got both. If Jen yep. got had her way, she wanted Walker, I think, to have both. <laughs> well, and that probably would have been correct to some extent. I mean, his hustle was why he got the game ball. Yeah, Ryan's true. muted. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> He's trying. We to had. Talk. A, we Keep made him. a very. That was the most beautiful comment I've ever heard. We, we made a very arbitrary decision in about 30 seconds, like two years ago, that they can't get a, someone can't get both. And that is stuck. We stick to our principles, even though it was poorly thought. Yeah, out. just so we didn't talk oh. about the same guy for two segments in a row, which I we're mean, doing anyway. So, so yeah. glad we did that. I really got to, I can't help but second guess coach for telling Ryan the news muted, but you know, otherwise, it's true. Uh, I, otherwise, I my bad. Otherwise, my good bad. show, coach, you know. Yeah. My bad. Um, all right. So coming up for Indiana is a game against North Alabama on Thursday. Now, my question is, like, should Indiana even show up for this game, Ryan? Because, I mean, you had the tough one against Kansas. It's two days. Get, I mean, you've only got one day in between. Like, really, if Indiana comes out and loses by 25, it's fine. I mean, that's a no, that's not what right? I said. You're totally misrepresenting what I was saying. I am. And we'll talk about it after the show because I don't want to take 45 minutes when Andy's only got 10. I will. Okay, so North (laughs) Alabama, they are currently 225th in Ken Palm. Yada, yada. None of that matters because it doesn't matter who Indiana plays. These games are just tight. So we can sit here and hope that Indiana will come out and get a big win that can help the net ratings. I saw lots of people earlier today. We need to win this one by 20 to 25 and help our net. I'm thinking to myself, we just need to win. Guess what? The win didn't help. The, it didn't help. That, that did, did not, not happen. No, it, it did didn't. Not but that is who we are playing on Thursday. So quick turnaround. And, you know, and, and I mean, honestly, maybe that's one of the, you know, the other stat to come out of this game is you had a lot of your starters play heavy minutes, 38, 32. And that does become a little bit more of a factor when it's a turnaround two days later. Um, but we'll see. It shouldn't matter against North Alabama, but we'll see if it does. Um, lingering questions. Do you guys I, have I will any... say two, two quick things about North Alabama. Yes. Uh, one, they've played Moorhead state at home and lost by nine. Uh, and two, oh, good. they did go to Kansas state and take Kansas state to overtime earlier in the season. Great. So they've done a few things now outside of that though. They've only beaten one team. That's, uh, inside the top 300 at Ken Palm and not a uh, and they've beaten 300 plus Ken Palm teams and non-division one teams with one exception. So nice. take that with a grain of salt that they played well on the road against Kansas State, but just only two things probably worth knowing at this point. So I'll just toss this out as a lingering question. We spent a lot of time on the show talking about the biggest lingering question with this program, which is shooting. And look, you know, Mackenzie Mbako was recruited to be a good shooter. I still think it's going to come around. I have confidence in his shot. Liam McNeely, I mean, you went out and you got the best shooter in high school basketball. So it's not like they don't understand this. It's not like they're not trying to get shooters. You know, they've just so far been unsuccessful on some of the guys they've tried to land and then unsuccessful, you know, in terms of really integrating it in the offense. Now, last year, the percentage was fine, but, you know, the volume was what we had questions with. This year, we're having questions with both. But, you know, my question here is we learn more and more about this staff just by watching what they do, Coach, is this just doesn't seem to be a staff that really is governed at, in any meaningful way by analytics. And we can't know that for sure because we're not in the meetings. Um, but there's no evidence that I see that decisions are made with a- analytics even taking into account. Um, it really seems like a program more that goes off the gut feeling and experience and philosophy of the head coach. And, you know, look, that's why you have your head coach. I'm not necessarily saying that's a bad thing, but I know for me personally, I would like to see a program that demonstrates 
that it values some of the lessons that analytics have taught, I guess is the way I would say it. And I just don't see it. And I guess that's my lingering question is, will we start to see it with this team this year or moving forward as long, you know, with this staff in place? I, I, I don't, I sure hope so. Um, but coaches, I, you know, it's admirable for coaches to have a philosophy and believe in it and believe they can win with it. Uh, that's, yep. you know, that happens all the time. I had that when I coached and, and we're stubborn by nature because we believe our way is going to be the way and we're going to fit, you know, square pegs into round holes because we have the magic elixir every time in every coaching meeting, every film session. But the coaches that I think do the very best adapt, um, adapt to the level that they're at, to the roster that they have. And so we're going to see uh, the rest of this year with Mbako and, and what do they do? They're, they they are doing some things. To be honest, they are doing some things. There's a staggered double action. They just don't do it enough. Uh, they have some plays in for Mbako to get him shots, but they reside to the post-up and the middle ball screen, or now tonight it was a side ball screen out, out of transition. They heavily believe in that, and no analytics are going to make them change. Uh, and, and, you know, they're, we're 8-3. and three. Uh, doing that and the bottom line is w's and we know that there are analytics that influence the 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 seeding and the selection we understand that um but as a coach you're you know you're preparing for one game and then the next game and the more of a lingering question for me than the staff is is a staff message of their way of playing getting to these kids is it effective we've always thought woodson was a great communicator but right now, these kids aren't playing the way Woodson wants them to play. That would be that. Is it the message not getting to them, or is it this team is a little disjointed in the locker room? What what goes on in practice? What has gone on outside of practice? And there's you know body language issues. We don't know all that stuff. But right now, the lingering question for me is the message the way Coach Woodson wants them to play is either not getting communicated accurately or not being received accurately. And that's the key question because the play has been almost similar for 11 games with a few bumps up in a couple of the games. But it, it's still the same problems after two months, two and a half months of or uh, two months of play. So to me it's, yeah, we're going to complain about all that, the, the non-use of analytics. I agree with you 100%. But even what they want to do, I don't think is being executed very well. And that's where you got to at least execute Coach Woodson's stuff well. And it's not being done, in my opinion. That's the lingering question is how is that communicated or how is that being listened to? And when is it being put into play? Yeah, I mean, to go back to your initial question, it, it feels unlikely that there's going to be a massive mindset change in that way. If, if in fact, that, that stuff isn't as meaningful um, – you know, to this, this coaching staff, I mean, it, it's hard to switch gears even from season to season, let alone you're 11 games into this season. You're more than a third of the way through the season or maybe about exactly a third of the way through. Like, are you really going to do some of that? Now, maybe you can do it in the sense of substitution patterns and lineup combinations and some of those things maybe are – um I think you've seen a little bit of that. Maybe it's not analytically driven over the last couple of games, but you haven't seen – part of it you've only really had nine guys that you want to play so you, you can't do the the fir whole first unit second unit thing but i think we've seen a few different things there probably to to mix results but um yeah i mean i, I don't think you're going to see a, a dramatic change 
in that regard. And I think coach's point is, is a good one as well. Just trying to figure out, you know, he, you know, took the paint off the walls in the locker room at halftime and sent him back out there pretty fast and said, you know, it wasn't pretty blah, 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 blah. At some point you're this deep into the season. Like, should we really be having to have those conversations and those interventions in, in the middle of the game to, to do that? Or did it need to happen sooner in the first half to really kind of wake everybody up? And, and how do you do some of those things? So, you know, I, I certainly was one that came on here in, earlier in the season and, and it's, it talked about, I think it was after the Michigan win, you know, Woodson really seems to have his pulse on this guy and that guy and this team and, and whatever. And then you fast forward a couple games to this and it's like, well, maybe not. Um, you know, but the games that this team has struggled in the most, it feels like are the games against vastly inferior opponents or super athletic teams. Like those are kind of the, you know, what the teams you seem like you should beat. And the ones who have all the skill and athleticism to just beat the absolute hell out of you, which is kind of two odd ends of the spectrum, uh, to be honest, uh, as you go yeah. through it. Cause I think for all, as good as Kansas is, you know, athletically, they're not overwhelming in the way that UConn and, and Auburn were. And IU was able to kind of hang around with them and, and not more than hang around, led the vast majority of the game. But otherwise, it's been teams that you're kind of inferior than. And the only middle, you know, teams were really kind of Kansas, Michigan, Maryland. And, Maryland is not performing well at the moment right now either. Uh, I'm sure their fan base is handling it just as well as, as we have. Uh, and, uh, and, and so it's just kind of an odd mix of, of where they are at the end of the spectrum. And you got two games coming up against teams that you should easily handle. You know, maybe they can figure out a way to, to solve that part of the puzzle, but you're not going to have that many games like that the rest of the season. And maybe that's a good thing for this team and the way that they're, uh, receiving the coaching and the messaging and and those kinds of things because these are just not games that they've been able to get up for, perform well in for long stretches or or anything even close to that. Hey, two and zero in the Big Ten, still first place. Great, which is I mean, why which is, is why wild. I will add, you know, among the things that Bruce Weber said that were stupid, the only reason that IU is in Mike DeCourcy's bracketology is because they're winning the Big Ten and he put him in because they're winning the Big Ten. His comment about, oh, well, they're in his latest bracketology. They should feel good about that is ridiculously dumb and shows a complete lack of understanding of how that stuff comes together. Yes. And the last thing I'll say, coach, to your point, you know, winning is the bottom line. There's no question about it. But how you win does matter. Like you can say like, oh, I don't care about the metrics. Don't give me Ken Palm and net and all this stuff. All I care about is winning. Okay, fine. But if you're going to be a team that's around the bubble, which is where Indiana profiles, your metrics are really important. You know, who you've beaten, what the efficiency stuff looks like. If you're sitting there trying to get an at-large bid and you're 70th in Ken Palm, even if you have 20 wins, but you haven't really beaten anybody, you're not getting in the tournament. So you can poo-poo all this stuff, but like the way that you beat some of these teams does matter. And we can argue about whether or not it should, but it does. And so, yes, beating Moorhead State, you got the bare minimum a one-point victory, literally the bare minimum that could possibly pass as, like, the lowest bar for acceptable. But, man, there is a big opportunity for, you know, everything else that could have happened tonight. And that's where the disappointment is. And I think there are some fans that don't quite recognize that enough, and that's why we keep trying to say it. Like, it shouldn't matter. At the end of the day, you just want to win the game, yes. But to get where we want to go, there's more to it than that. And plus, a win like this is not very predictive of, you know, doing well against better teams. 
That's the frustration. So anyway, check out our friends at Homefield Apparel, homefieldapparel.com. Our promo code is HOME23. Get 15% off your first order. Andy, let's go to you for last call, and then we will close up. Uh, you know, I don't know. There's too much more to beat into the ground with this game. Uh, a really poor performance, poor response to what had been a good, uh, you know, a really, a really strong effort against Kansas. I know coach said after going back and looking at it, maybe he felt worse about it, but the reality is for this team, you know, they had done enough to be in a position to win that game and, and really let an opportunity slip through their hands. And so many times we get on here and talk about how do you react to this game, that game, this loss, that win, close loss, whatever. This team hasn't shown the ability to respond very well to um, different situations this year. And I don't think that fall, the the blame for that all falls in one place, but that's the reality of who this team has shown itself to be uh, at this point. And so next couple of games are chances to, like I said, kind of shake that, that notion that, that, that they can't, put away or dominate teams that they should dominate. Uh, but otherwise, until further notice, you know, with this team is who they've shown themselves to be. And and so there's room for growth. There's talent on the team. There's certainly deficiencies from a roster perspective, some of which are fixed uh, by Xavier Johnson coming back, but not all of which are fixed by Xavier Johnson coming back, um, depending upon the, you know, what state he's in and, and the domino effect that has with other guys. But they just uh, – you know, it, it kudos to them for coming back to find a way to win and, and avoid abject disaster. But man, it's uh, it, it's it's ugly and, uh, you know, hard to really find the answer to how to get consistency out of this team at a level that they're going to need when Big Ten play begins, because you know, we're going to beat this into the ground as well. But like the Big Ten season is so incredibly important for a team that has done nothing but avoid disaster in the non-conference you know it just is hard to tell yourself a story that they can get it together enough and play consistently enough to do what they're going to need to do in the big Ten, to do what they're going to need to do in the toughest games that they have and i sent this to coach the other day kind of a breakdown of where future opponents fall within the quads and you got to look at those and tell yourself you got to win some really tough road games in the big 10 to be able to pick up good enough wins to offset what you didn't do in the non-conference all the while avoiding bad losses, which this team has done narrowly throughout the season. So you really start to look at where these games fall and then you compare that to the performance of the team. It's tough to get there from the standpoint of, of what we've seen versus what they need to do. And I would love to be proven wrong and they have every chance to do that. But, um, this performance obviously doesn't make you feel any better with any misgivings that you have about the team heading into the, uh, into the rest of things. So I will let you guys finish it up. I actually have some work to do. The joy of trying to take time off around the holidays is that you get to work more before them so that you can feel yes. caught up to do it. So I'll, uh, I'll listen to the rest. Uh, Ryan knows that I think he's wrong about anything he's going to bring up from a scheduling perspective. So just, there's nothing else that I need to Ryan's add. Ryan's wrong for whatever. And it's fine say. for you to be wrong, Andy. It's fine if you want. Well, to be wrong, and I will be wrong on other things, but I will not be wrong on this particular topic. So wrong. I will. Okay. Uh, I will listen. But to you're you're comfortable with being wrong, which I respect. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. mute him again. Just cut oh, his mic. Here we go. All right. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, someone just told us in the chat that we've been very depressing tonight, which I think is fair. It's fair, and I know we try not to do that after wins, but I don't know. 
how else do you react to that performance? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I really, I don't know. I have, I've always had a hard time with it. You know, it's the biggest challenge of doing the show is you want to meet the team where they are on every individual game. But when you see stuff that suggests, man, it's really hard to see that this team is going to get, you know, to kind of meet the minimum bar for success for the season. It gets hard. Anyway, coach, last call. Yeah, I, I'm just going to go back to uh, we're going to beat this uh, into the ground with the style of play, but I just think they need to play Coach Woodson's style better. <laughs> That's a start. Uh, the way, you know, and so if that comes from the coaching staff or, or whatever, and I'll also throw in this, Indiana was like 71st in the RPI, the old RPI, uh, the, the website that I use, you can go see the RPI with the quads. So uh, Indiana is not in a position either the old way without metrics. And I saw some people, oh, I hate offensive and defensive metrics. Right now, the where this team is, they're not a tournament team, whether it's the RPI, whatever. But on a positive there, they do have a quad one win in Michigan, although Michigan got beat on the road tonight against Florida. But that's always tenuous with the the cutoffs, right, which is another junk thing. But they don't have bad losses. And so if their metrics get better, they have a win, and they have they all their losses are in quad one. So – Really, their resume piece of it isn't bad. It's their metrics that are bringing them down. Uh, you're a lot closer in the old RPI than, than others. So just fix the way you want them to play, Coach Woodson. And players, play the way Coach Woodson wants you. That gives us at least a chance to win some basketball games. There's going to be style arguments left and right from this person and that person, and that's what makes college sports kind of fun. Uh, and we're not in there to understand uh, the film and who can do what. But just play better within the style that's being run. And this, the last few games, even though there have been some positives, the decision-making, the four shots, the overhelp, the, the sloppy ball handling at times, play better within the system that the coach wants you to run. And coach, coach them better. Uh, I, I, you get tired of hearing how many humps you got to get them over. Start getting them over them. Like, it's 11 games worth of humps that you got to get over. It's just time in year three to to be better. And in a year of I, – I, and I, I feel bad because it's a rebuilding year in my mind because you lose four starters. But with NIL and the transfer portal, is there ever really an acceptable rebuilding year now? When you're paying these guys money and, and you're doing this, the expectations are to play a certain type of basketball – in, in, in the old ways, you would understand this year is going to be a tough year because you're replacing people. you got young freshmen who are going to play better. All of that makes sense to me, why this team is struggling, if you want to look at it from a positive standpoint. If you want to look at it in year three, with all the resources, that's when it starts getting to be frustrating. That's where, that's where I'm at. And I keep going back and forth, people. I'm, I'm struggling. I want to be fair and understand it's young team gelling with the fact that in this era, people are – rebuilding quickly and a lot quicker. And should we expect that here at Indiana? So there's, the, there's the two sides and, and it's just kind of, it's hard being a fan right now of where you want to sit in, in, in praising or criticizing and evaluating this program, but it just needs to be better no matter where you're at. Ryan. Yeah. I'm going to be really short on this. Indiana just has to be better. Like if you're wearing that Jersey, you have to be better. And whether that's this game or the other, you know, non-conference games against against worse teams, you saw this team could play with Kansas. There's no excuse to come out and and play like this. And there's no excuse. And that's not just on the players. I people are blaming the players for lack of effort and blah blah blah. 
they were not ready to play. And I don't know what's going on, but that's on the program. And I think that a lot of times we get caught up in, is it the coach? Is it the players? Is it the assistants? Is it this? Is it whatever? It's the program that's the problem. And that's everybody associated with it. And Jared, you said something after the Kansas game. You said the fan support deserves better than this. And that is 1000% true. The fans who support this program, whether it's watching us, you know, late into the night on a random Tuesday, or it's the people who are there cheering and spending their hard-earned money to go, they deserve better than what this program has given them over the past decade and longer, but specifically over the past decade, they deserve better. And I mean, it's just, that's what my thought is when I watch a game like this is how has it taken this long? And we're still not a viable program. I mean, it's, it's, it's good if you want to be an average Big Ten program, which is what Indiana is right now. And what's it going to take to get this to be an elite Big Ten program again? What do you need to do? Is it coaching? Is it different players? Is it more money? Like, what is it? What do you have to do? A new arena? I don't know. What will get the people in place to be an elite program? Because Indiana can't have nights like this. It just can't. And there have been too many of these over the years, whether it's they win it or not. You can't look like a bad team this often. And whether it's you're playing a great team and get blown out like Auburn, or it's a night where you should beat this team by 20 points and you barely squeeze, you need a 20 to four run to sneak by. That's not worthy of Indiana basketball. And it's not worthy of the fan support. And those people who pay their money to watch this deserve better. Program has to be better. And it's long past time for it to get there. It's a really good point. In a vacuum, you have one performance like this. Okay. You know, and you escape with a win. Whoo, we, you know, we escape with a victory. The problem is this comes on the heels of getting blasted by Connecticut and Auburn and playing like this in other games where you just had to sneak by. Like this performance tonight was not the anomaly. If that was an anomaly, we'd be on here. Okay. Bad performance, but man. You know, there were a couple positives from it. Okay, let's just forget this happened. You can't forget this happened. This is who this team is right now. And and that's the frustrating part. And, you know, Coach, to your point about it is a rebuilding year and all that stuff. And this is now our 12th year doing the show. And we always, as I said earlier, we always try to meet the team where they're at. I'm just getting tired of the excuses. Like, there's always excuses. Okay, well, this is it's Archie's first year. I agree. And now it's COVID. And now it's this. And now it's that. And, like, there's always something. Like real programs don't constantly have excuses. They just have a standard and you just play to it. And yeah, maybe for this season, we shouldn't be expecting a four seed, but we shouldn't be off the bubble, which is close to where we are right now. We shouldn't be going long stretches of games against sub 150 teams looking incoherent. That's the problem, you know? And so even on a night when the result that you get is acceptable, and you're going to take a win anytime you can get it, there's still like fans had to sit through that for two hours, you know, and it just doesn't suggest a lot of good things moving forward. Now, look, last year, we'll all recall, we came on here after that loss to Penn State and Indiana's one and four in conference play. And it's like, oh, my God, the wheels are falling off. And they turned it around and they got going. All is not lost. It's December 19th. We thought this team was going to struggle. We just didn't expect it to be this much. And we didn't expect it to look this poorly. Or to look this poor. And so that's where the frustration comes from. But look, 
You come out, you play a good game Thursday and win that game by 15 or 20 points. Everybody can exhale a little bit, and we start to move forward. The problem is this team just hasn't shown us that they can do it yet. Hopefully they can um, and start building some positive momentum. Anthony Walker, I saw he said in his postgame press conference, you know, this isn't going to happen again, and he's a senior, and so I hope that's the case. Um, but this team just has to keep getting better. They've avoided disaster, and that's good. So they've given themselves a chance still to achieve all the goals that they that they want to have in front of them. They're just going to have to play a lot better than they did tonight, and hopefully that starts Thursday. Okay, that'll do it. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. Uh, don't forget to go to our Substack. You can get there by just going to our URL, www.assemblycall.com, and get on our free newsletter because we're constantly sending out good stuff there. Special thank you to Bob Thompson for the music you hear on the show. Special thank you to John Ringer of rigdesign.com for designing our logo. And, of course, thank you for listening. We'll be back Thursday to talk IU hoops again with you, or to talk IU hoops again after North Alabama. Until then. Take it from me, Max Bielfeld. Keep your calves flexed, your elbows in, and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Shoot the ball. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Ms. Tonsoni's not in the mood after that performance, Coach. Sorry. Not going to – not playing that one. Coach definitely is in the mood. Isn't in the mood. <laughs> God. Uh, all right. Well, that was – Not going to happen, fellas. <laughs> Avoided disaster. Avoided disaster. Man. There was one thing uh, real quick in the chat. Someone said, I don't know if they're, they're still here. Like, are we going to all of a sudden say they're an NCAA team if they blow North Alabama out by 20? No, we're going to no. be happy that they finally played well. Uh, we played to where know, they're supposed and, to and play. And I, I apologize if you think that we just come on when we play bad back like this yeah. and then we play good. We think they're NCAA. I think that's a, a false narrative of us, but you're entitled uh, to your opinion. We wish you still stick around and, and, and give us a fair shot at changing that. Um, but I'd say, you know, we felt this has been a pattern now for 11 games for the most part, short of a couple positives. And, 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 you know, you can still appreciate a coach and appreciate a program and have some criticism. We need more guards. We need better athletes. Those are, we're in year three, the expectations, as you said, Jared, rebuilding year or not are to be better. And we don't apologize for that. Um, we get enough crap about being fanboys all the time. But we are, but we also want a certain standard. So whoever that was, we apologize if we sent that kind of message tonight, but this was not a good performance and we're going to come on here and talk about it. Let me say something real quick. After Maryland and Michigan, we all said, you know what? We kind of feel better about where this is heading. We kind of feel a little bit better about where it's heading because they took care of business. You know, those two teams aren't playing well, didn't shoot well, but Indiana did what it, it, it could do and stole a road win and all that feels great. Then they got their doors kicked in by Auburn, and you're like, whoa, okay. So maybe it's more those teams than it is what Indiana's able to do, or maybe it's just this kind of matchup is bad. Then you come out, you play Kansas tight. Quite frankly, you blow that game. I think they should have won it, given where it was. Now Kansas By double digits. Yeah, up 13 in the second half and lose at Assembly Hall. That's tough. But you do still say, like, look, Kansas is great. They played them well. It just it didn't last. They looked tired at the end of that game because a lot of guys played a lot of minutes and they kind of broke down defensively and Kansas was able to score easily. But you got to follow that up by playing well. You can't lose two games in a row like that in disappointing fashion and not show up to beat a team that you should dominate. Like, yeah, we're going to the last three games. 
have probably changed our opinion again from where it was before that. And we always said, we're not going to know who this team is probably until the beginning of January. We're still trying to figure it out. Just like the rest of you, just like it looks like, just like the guys on this roster are trying to figure. And it out. we want to believe. So when we see, so, we so, so, to, so to the person's point, I will say, I bet sometimes it does feel like there's a bit of a pendulum swing, which is what this show is designed to be. It's living in the emotion of the moment right after a game. It's always going to be a little more emotional. And then the Thursday show is meant to take kind of more of the macro picture. And so there are going to be some of those swings, especially with a team like this. We want to buy in. We want to believe. So they, you know, you go on the road against Michigan where you don't care about style points. You don't care about anything. In that game, Just win. all that yeah. matters is the result. That is it. This game tonight, it was more than just the result. How you played needed to be better than this. You know, and, so, okay. and that's why those you're going to get those swings. You know, that is that's part of that's just, you know, it's a feature, not a bug. Like that is what this show is supposed to be about. Um, but some know, people really like it. I don't I <laughs> Okay. No, and, and someone saying now. that that person was trying to trying to make a joke uh, about that and wasn't real serious. So that's I just funny. wanted to make sure that fan knew that we're, that's we're okay, but other to, people think what that. we're trying that's to a, do. They do. Yeah, yeah. it's okay. It's I think I, we, I, mean, uh, I like yeah. to give people a, just an insight into how we think and how we approach it. So it's fine. It's all, and everybody's entitled to your opinion. I don't. I don't get mad. I love. If you think we have and, wild, you know, if if you think we have wild swings on the air, you should see the texts we send each other during games. I mean. <laughs> It goes from I'm going to well, throw my TV in the ocean to I can't believe they won, like, within 10 minutes. I, I will say this. I, I I think the scheduling was kind of an issue tonight uh, for Indiana. They shouldn't have they shouldn't have scheduled. You want to let me explain you this or what? I just think I just think when you play a tough game like at Kansas, yeah, you got to have like at least four days off uh, to recuperate. Okay. That's I just my initial thought. Two weeks, coach. Here is my weeks. here is my stance on this. You knew coming into this season what this team was. It was going to be very young, inexperienced, a bunch of leadership guys in roles that maybe didn't, you know, know what they were doing, hadn't been leaders before necessarily with X and Galloway. You knew this was going to be a very young team. Young teams are very emotional. You scheduled Kansas for Saturday, which is fine. I have no problem with that. I think it was a great game, great atmosphere, all of that. You know there's going to be a letdown after that. Yes. We know that for a fact. That Jared happens. even predicted it, Ryan. There you in go. In our text, right? I'm telling you. And you give them what is essentially one day off. Because yesterday they probably practiced, but Sunday they had the day off. You give them two days to go from that insane high to having to play down to a bad opponent. And anybody who is shocked with how they came out is ridiculous. I give them after that big game, I give them until you have a game Thursday. I have no problem with you having a game Thursday after that big game on Saturday. But why are you forcing three games in six days the week after finals, especially when one of those was against the number two team in the country? I don't get that scheduling. I'm sorry. Three games in six days is too much for a team that's still trying to figure itself out. This isn't the tournament. This isn't March where this team is what it is and it's set in concrete. This team was always going to take a long time to get together, and you are smashing three games in six days, one of which was going to be a tough game with a lot of emotion attached to it. I think it's stupid scheduling to do this the week after finals to smash three games together in six days. I think it's dumb, and I think that anybody that was surprised with the way they came out I is uh, is being ridiculous. I'm, I'm shocked. Now, so, look. Go ahead. Can we, can we rebut now, please? Well, I'm going to say one more thing because you said this. In no, he's text. convinced me. I, I'm with Ryan. 
No, you guys he's, aren't going to be keeping my mind. Line. No, you're not. But I'm explaining my. The I'm explaining audio people my can't see the smile on your face. Don't make them no. Think that you're here's the here's nonsense. the thing though. Totally Jared, buy in. Makes Jared sense. said to me. Jared said to me in a text in this. He's like, "Hey, real programs can handle things like that. Show me when Indiana is a quote unquote real program Act that can handle if, things." Then, like that. okay. Mean, but here's the thing about this this season. This is what I'll say about this season. The most important thing about this season is making the damn tournament. Right? They we didn't expect a whole lot more than that. You should be sure. able to play Moorhead State and North Alabama Monday and Tuesday after Kansas and still find a way to win. Should you're gonna be should be is great tournament. Should okay, be is look. great. Tell me when they are able to do that. Because they're not. Your logic this is, is not backwards. Your log okay, look, you know how much I respect you as a co-host. You know it. This is the worst take do you've I? ever had on the show. It's the worst take. Oh, it's the worst take you've had on the show. Mr. Positive. Here's, look, here's why. They're just coming off a week of not playing with finals. All right? But you've it's not like they weren't doing anything in. and resting. They had finals. Okay. okay. But but they're not playing 39 minutes in a basketball Some of them game. probably didn't. So what I'm saying is. They played is, 37 look, two days played, ago. They played the early game Saturday. Okay? They had Sunday. They had Monday. This game is in the evening. So they had three. They had 72 hours in between games. Now against look, the team that's had this game circled look, for months. Now look, I fully expected that there would be a letdown. I fully expected it because that's what this program has done. That doesn't mean I excuse it. I'm, I'm not excusing but this it either. Program, right, but this program has just shown us they're not ready for that. So to use the schedule as an excuse. No, but you're using the schedule. You're saying, well, they shouldn't have done this and, and all this stuff. But it shouldn't I don't matter. Think you should put three games what in I'm six saying days. is it just it shouldn't even be a topic of discussion. They had two days in between games. They should have approached it better. There's no reason for this to be a topic of discussion. Here's no. the thing. If it was three crappy teams or like, you know, below sub 100 teams, that would be different. But coming off the okay. Kansas game, which you knew was going to be difficult, which we knew was going to be physical, awful, and a huge emotional roller coaster for them. Sure. To put them back out there on Tuesday, I think was a mistake. And then they get one day off and they got to play again. I think it's stupid. I think you're setting that team up to fail, given what you know that this team's going to be months ago. We knew it during the summer. Okay, but, but we could also flip that around and say, well, this is something we've struggled with. So now here's an opportunity for us to work on it, guys. We've struggled to come down to these emotional say, games and then get back up. So let's work With on what it, the yeah. non-conference is this year, you could not afford to lose a non-Auburn, Kansas, UConn. And if yeah, you're Indiana, you, you shouldn't assume you're going to lose to Moorhead State no matter what. That's what I mean. If you're so normal, Indiana. If no. you're normal, Indiana, not this team. So though. how are we going to get to be normal, Indiana, by having these piss poor, low expectations? Well, that's a very long because the program is just Jared. rising to the level of our expectation then, so or falling it's, to the to the depths of our lack well, of expectation. They just proved me right by playing absolutely garbage on a Tuesday night. No, no, that. they didn't prove you right because your they contention did. is that the mistake is no, the no, schedule, no. and this should be a mm -mm. no. What they no. proved is that they can't handle. Coming back and playing seventy-two hours later after yes. a big game, which is they I'm shocked anyone was expected. I, I'm shocked anybody was expected. I wasn't, but that's the problem. It, it, but that's but not that's the what I was saying fault. is why that's is anybody expecting them fault. to play well seventy-two hours after this? With and because again, they're Indiana saying, basketball, Ryan, and they should be able to play better. Did that's you really why. expect them to come out? No, well. I texted you. But exactly, that's not because you're of proving the my point. I am not proving your point. That's not proving your point. No, my point is that is a problem with the program. 
not the I, schedule. I think the scheduling is part of the problem with the program. I think they're setting kids up to fail. I think the system sets kids that up to fail. I think so the recruiting is setting them the, up to on... fail. I think all of it. I think it's a piece of the whole. That's the thing. You're thinking I'm you're what you guys are picking up on is that I'm saying the schedule is the reason they played like garbage. It's not. It's part of the whole of being thoughtless with the way you're aligning your program. This is a December game that you should have time to prepare for. It was a team that was picked to win its conference who had been on, who had already been on several big road games. Now they didn't play well, but they weren't already, they weren't going to be cowed by playing at assembly hall without the students there. And you're throwing them in this game directly after you've had guys play 35 plus minutes a game. The starters were all dead. Now, they, you can say that, oh, well, they just came out flat. Partially, they did. I agree. They just came out flat. They weren't interested. It was a letdown game. On top of that, they also look ex- some of them also looked exhausted because why they are probably the only team, are. Why are we the only team that we make this excuse for? Oh, our guys play. They're not the only one I would say that about. A young team in the NCAA doing this, I would say that's a that's incredibly like that's th- this would be average, but I'm saying you knew what this team was going to be. This team doesn't have Trace Jackson Davis. It doesn't have Race Thompson. It doesn't have Miller Cop. It so doesn't have okay that leadership. Of time? Would an extra day have been? I would have okay? said Thursday. I would have said Thursday. I would have had no game today and just played on Thursday. Just, like, I'm not saying there are so two many weeks. concerns with the program. Spending You're this right. Much time talking about the impact of the schedule. You're absolutely just right. Even compute to me, though. No, to me, it's just another thing in the program that is thoughtless. That is not that is not well thought out. And I think that that when it comes down to it, you can do better for these kids. You don't put them in bad positions already. Seventy. I, I just okay. Maybe you're if saying they were, seventy-two if they hours. Were playing okay. Monday. Maybe that's a little bit different, and I would give a little credence to this. But they had plenty of time to come back, rest their bodies. They had one practice for a team that had been practicing for them for several days, and it it and is picked to win its conference. I know they're missing a really good player. I mean, but if picked, we have to be this worried and set up our whole schedule to beat Morehead, State, I think you have to we be have worried. Some major ass problems. No, 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 no. I think you have to be worried about not dropping a non-conference game that could knock you out of the NCAA tournament ahead Again, of time because you know if we have to worry about that with Morehead. You State, do have, have to worry about problems. that because if you miss the tournament this year, the program takes a huge step back. Would you not agree with that? Yes, back but it Archie wouldn't be Mill. because of the schedule. <laughs> no, I'm saying you have to protect those games and make sure you are did. in the they best seven, position to win. But that's, but that's what I'm saying. They had 72 hours. I, I they had plenty of time disagree. to prepare for this game. I it's disagree. Just, I, 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 just I just think don't you were, think it's a meaningful again, argument for, for I do. this performance. I think, I think that how much these kids are playing, which is, I mean, they shouldn't have to play 35 plus minutes or 30 plus minutes to win this game. I, I fully agree with that. But if you're playing 37 minutes against Kansas, what do cups be like 39? And then you're expecting him to come out a couple days later in a game. That's going to be a letdown game and have a great game. Like it's not going to happen. We're just we know that. They even need to like, have a great game. They just need to. Play, I know have, like, they did, but game. then they. But when they were okay, I'll just say in the first half when they were playing the way they were playing, I was like, yeah. I mean, who expected okay. different? Okay, who expected let me, different? Let me. Okay, let me. Here, here's the problem I have with with your argument. Like, and it's not to say that I don't think that you shouldn't schedule smartly. Those are important things to think about. Okay. <clears throat> the problem I have with your argument is it's just it seems like another excuse that we're stacking on top of stuff for why this program can't reach not even a peak level, but just Again. a really good level. And I just don't think it matters. You're I, missing that's what I'm saying. That, Real programs don't talk about this kind of stuff. You're they right, because Indiana isn't there State. yet. But we all know Indiana there isn't there if yet. That's not what the standard is. No, is what I'm saying. they're going to get there when they recruit the best players, when they have the best system, and they're able to win consistently 
at a certain level. Until then, you have to make the tournament every year until you get there. And if you lose, if you set yourself up to lose games, you're not going to make the tournament and you're going to take a huge step backward. That's my point is that you have to protect yourself in a season. And if we, and if we have to worry about one or two days after, you know, length after the Kansas game, we're not, we shouldn't, if that's a big I'm saying deal, this season was always going to be, anyway. a, I'm saying this season was always going to be a tightrope with the way you scheduled the non-conference with very difficult games, which I approve of, but you also have to smartly schedule around that to ensure that you're not dropping a game you cannot afford to drop. And I thought this was too close to the Kansas game. I thought they should have done it midweek or Thursday. I, I'm, I just, I'm sorry. That's my opinion. Now, look, it's my opinion. Maybe, maybe there were constraints that they had to schedule it. It's possible. But if that's the situation, move the game, move it earlier in the season, do something like, you know, cause you're not stacking it after another crap non-conference game. You know, you're smashing it together with a big game and then you got another one. You got one day and then you're going to go to another one. And they expanded a lot of energy tonight. That's the problem. Like, is that you're smashing them all together. This, this game on, Thursday could have been Friday, could have been next week. Like, I mean, like there's ways to Monday and we still should win anyway. That's what I I agree. They should win anyway, Jared. But I'm just saying that the thing is with how fragile this team was always going to be, you've got to take that into consideration when you're scheduling. That's it. By the way, those texts are never going to be public. I mean, there was basically this. (laughs) Well, there's other stuff too that, you know. No, look, right. you, we can I, agree, I get we you can agree, agree to disagree on this. One. You don't agree. Just, that's fine. Like, but I'm just saying, you know that what it, it is though? But, okay. Here's the thing. I'm just, I'm surprised that this is your take because you so often are a no excuse, no BS guy. And this I am a no me excuse, as, but this strikes me as a BS thing to worry about. That's why no. I'm surprised. What you're missing is I'm saying this is a symptom of the problems with the program and it's things are not well thought out. And it's, it's the system not valuing shooting. It's not attacking the right guys in the portal. It's not, you know, it's leaving a scholarship open because, oh, we'll use that later. Yeah. When well, I agree with all that stuff. But no, that's but that's what I'm saying is one I or think, two extra days in the schedule. I think it's for a Moorhead symptom. State. I think it's a symptom of a thoughtless program. And it's a symptom of we need to worry about smashing as many games in as we can here to get experience and whatever and not and money as well, coach and not thinking about how to set a fragile team up to make the tournament the best way that I just think it's a symptom of the whole, like, you know what else this team could use to, to, to advance the tournament, another shooter that you could have picked up in the transfer portal instead of, you know, but I'm saying like, that's, those are two totally different things. No, I think, well, okay. You're right. They are, but I'm saying it's a symptom of an entire program that doesn't think things through and that isn't willing to think in a different way. And this year, last year, you could have challenged that team with anything. They had the veterans. They could have gone, <laughs> these comments, coach. <laughs> the, 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 you could have challenged that team with anything. Like at last year, I don't care that they played a couple days after the Kansas game. They had Trace Jackson Davis. They had, you know, uh, Miller Cop. They had Race Thompson. Those guys have been multi year starters in the Big Ten. They were fine. But I, but I don't get doing that to this young, inexperienced team that you didn't know what you're going to get out. We still don't know what we're going to get out of this team. And you're expecting them to handle a lot of stress at, early in the season. And I don't think it's a good idea. I'm sorry. I, I don't. And people are saying, well, they had a week off. They had a week for finals. That's not like, it's not like rest time. It's not like they had a bye week and I did mean, it nothing. rests your body. I mean, you're not, you know, you're not putting they all were probably pulling all nighters to study and stuff. I mean, it's not like healthy time. Like, come on, you went to college. Oh. All right. Look, 
I'm I'm not going to agree. I'm not going to disagree. Well, fine. I didn't expect some you things. To. No, that there aren't some things no. in the program that need to be thought out better. That is true. I just would not conflate these two things at all. I, I just think it's and again, I'm not saying it's the main reason. I'm not saying it's the only reason. I'm just saying like, what did you expect? What did you expect? It was going to be a letdown game. But it would. But see, but to me, it would have been a letdown whether it's Tuesday, Thursday. I agree. Next week. So I agree. That's it what I mean. Ex- so the days between the game. I think it was exacerbated by this, especially with this roster. I think that has a lot to do with it. So that, that's me. That's my opinion. It's what I saw. I think that they looked exhausted in the first half. They picked it up. Uh, beginning of the second half was fine, but then I think they lost that second win for a while, and then I think the crowd lifted them to a win. The, the, I didn't expect the crowd to lift them to a win either because the students aren't there, which I think makes it even worse. So This is longer than Oppenheimer. It's, it's getting there, Bryce. It's been, I mean, the show's been almost two hours. If we go another hour and a half, we'll beat it. Oh, All right, man. that's it. I'm, I'm done. Spent. No more questions. <sighs> yep. No more questions. <laughs> I don't think it was smartly done. And honestly, we're done. I no think Thursday is going to be interesting. I think Thursday is going to be interesting. Well, yeah, but a Thursday lot of, is going to be interesting, so, not because of the schedule, because this team makes these games interesting. I think it's good. Well, no I think if, it's they, they expended a lot of energy tonight. They don't have a couple days off. They have one day, and then they got to play again. Expended a lot of energy. Like, we just make so many excuses for this program. But I'm not making excuses. I'm but blaming are, they, the program. They, but they expended I'm energy, the so now Thursday is going to be a challenge against North Alabama. It's one day off. I think that's tonight. stupid at any. I think one day off is stupid at any point. Like, and the other thing is, you can control this schedule. It's not being thrust upon you. It's not conference. It's not the NCAA tournament. You control this, and this is what you chose. And I don't. I don't love that. Sorry. I think you're asking for trouble. Is all I would say. So. As a guy who loves to asking- hear himself talk. I've had the most fun being silent for the last 15 minutes as I've ever had your in facial my expressions. Your, your facial expressions are what have Wow. We still have 480 some people, and their comments have I been have, fantastic. I'm While you two yahoos have been going, exchange. you two yahoos were just going like two brothers. Like, do I have to stop this car? If I have to stop By the this way, to car, every, you're both going to get in trouble. Uh, to everyone listening and watching, I sincerely apologize. This could have been a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, well, that that's it. We're done. We're, we should we're done. It. I have nothing else to say. But I, that I was fantastic. I just I really don't. If know that if doesn't get us for the North Alabama game. I mean, I only I can only sleep twice between now and then. Only have a, have if this doesn't get us a You're damn a big lead podcast anyway. award, big league big lead podcast award for this damn yes. show. I, I'm I'm not even talking yes. to you, Ryan. Most this was worthless fantastic. segment in podcast history. Probably. Right here. Probably. Hey, the chat mob's still around. The they thrive. We, we're going to, you know what, chat mob, if Andy were here, you would see Andy was on a roll today. He ripped me about going to Notre Dame, Virginia game, about <laughs> restraining order. You know, like when Andy comes out of the woods with some humor and some, you know, some attacks, and then he was all over Ryan in the text. I, I wish we could. Andy, Andy, I mean, was, Andy was stronger was than the two were. He made my opening rant look like soft in these text messages. He did. And that's always Andy, though. He that's gets on Andy. the air very calm, but people would be shocked sitting and watching a game with Andy. They would be absolutely the shocked. Best. Oh, my gosh, yes. It is the best. It is. All right. We're done. We, we, we did it. We, we, we pained these people enough with our yammering. We're done. Mostly me. Our poor, poor program that has to turn around and play a game. 
It's only one day of rest. Oh no. Good night, Jared. Let it go. Let it go. Elsa needs to be here. Let it go. I can't even sing. I can't sing for shit, but I want to sing. Let it go. It's time to time to go get some pie or something. Snacks. Yeah, it, is, it is time. For Cereal. Time. Good night, Let's everybody. Go. Good right, night, man. everybody. We'll see you. Coach. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.